Hey, Pac-12 sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or a large pizza? Are you tired of paying for all the inflated markups from brokers or last-minute convenience charges so you end up paying courtside prices for nosebleed seats? Go to onein100.co. That's onein100.co. Feeling lucky? Try it now. The novelty of 1 in 100 is that there's no place online that's doing online raffles to win tickets to events. It's a totally new way to score tickets to your favorite events and new way to see your favorite Pac-12 team. The cost of potentially scoring tickets with 1 in 100 is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. Score a pair of tickets for less than a cost of a beer. Your first raffle ticket is free after signing up. The experience of using 1 in 100, which is extremely fun and exciting, from picking your lucky number to the feeling of potentially scoring premium tickets, feeling lucky? Try 1in100.co. That's onein one zero zero dot C-O. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. This is the third time we're recording this intro, this show. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site. On the 24-7 Sports Network. Who are you? I am Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site. On the 24-7 Sports Network, and together, we become the podcast of champions. Like, uh, what is it? The Wonder Twin Powers activating, coming together as one, David. We are the POC when you and I get on the line together. I sort of think of it more as the Spice Girls to become one. (laughs) Oh, Um, okay. But, nonetheless, we we are together again with our powers combined. We are indeed... Captain Planet. We are not. We are actually not Captain Planet. No. Um, Did yeah. you have a favorite Spice Girl? Um, I was always fond of the red-haired one. Okay. What was her name? Was she Crazy Spice or something? Maybe Scary One. Was she Scary? No, Scary Spice was the uh, the the. I, I I actually can't remember who was who. Ever. I think I kind of like Baby the most. I think the blonde one. But you're very traditional with this. Yeah, I like the blonde one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was I was a red-haired one or the the one that was Victoria Beckham. I oh, think yeah. Those my favorite Spice Girls. Yeah, one that married Beckham. That's cool, too. Uh, well, so anyway. this is your favorite Spice Girls podcast, <laughs> the podcast of champion Spice Girls. Well, the games were so bad this week, we thought we were talking about other things. No, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready, Dave. I had a, I went to the gym. I seriously got a mani-pedi. I forgot I was going to take a picture of myself doing that, walking over here. Walking to my office so we could record this, and we got a lot of questions. If you guys want to get a hold of us, we're here. We're an open book. You can do that. Emailing us, Pac12Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to tweet at us, you can do that at Pac12Podcast, and you can always call or text. Uh, we got a voicemail. I think we got some text. 424. Th- I'm sorry, 532-0678. That's 424-532-0678. You can text or call, and uh, yeah. We love we love hearing from the peeps. We do, we do. I have not fulfilled my um, my promise of actually responding to any text messages during the season, but I'm I'm thinking one of these upcoming weeks I'm going to turn the old phone on and just and just respond to people throughout the games. I like maybe that. not this weekend, but but a, a weekend to come soon. 
Yeah. Uh, you're not the best when it comes to like responding on the, the, uh, our PAC 12 podcast. I'll Twitter respond page. to strangers. I, I just won't respond to people I know. That's true. No, but I mean, you know, getting on the Twitters and stuff. And, uh, I try to like populate that with some PAC 12 content every once in a while that we need an intern. Actually, someone emailed me about interning, but, um, you know what I thought we should also have Dave is, uh, I would love to have like some rants from people, from Pactful people, voicemail rants and have some, uh, someone that's good with audio kind of edit it together and put it together for us. I think that would be kind of fun. I think that'd be great. We should do that. Any like audio czars out there that know, you know, they can take a bunch of voicemails and put it into like a few minute piece of. Uh, tape that we could play on the show. We'd love to do that. We're, we're too so you lazy. Mean just just steal something directly from the solid verbal. The salt, yeah, like the reverbs. I like the reverbs. Yeah. I, they're kind of funny, but this would be like a Pac-12 version, you know? Um, right, right. We wouldn't call it the reverbs. We call it something else. No, like the like the reverberations or something. Yes, the Pac-12. <laughs> they, I mean, we, we give it some West Coast kind of name, but I, I, I always those are kind of fun, and I've I've thought about doing them for years, but it's just it takes too much time. Uh, one of the, the USC podcast, the Raider Troy, they do like they have their rant line. People call in and they put it together, but that that just takes work. I'm like, I'm not really w- willing to put that much work in because there's so much other crap going on. But if someone's out there wants to help us, I know the reverbs for the solid verbal. They don't do that. That's someone helping them out. So if, email us. Uh, Pac12podcast at gmail.com if you want to do that. And we'll even remember to credit you like one every, I don't know, four or five times. <laughs> we will. Um, hey, we have uh, we have some news. Uh, the uh, Utah Utes swept the Pac-12 football players of the week. So Tyler Huntley won for offense. Chase Hansen won for defense and Matt Gay uh, won for special teams, the kicker. Uh, I, I voted, I didn't vote for a sweep across for Utah. The only, uh, the only person I didn't vote for was uh, I, I picked uh, Ben Burr, a Kervin for Washington, the linebacker. He had like some ridiculous stat line, but Chase Hansen ended up getting. So a sweep for the Utes, Dave. It's, it's weird that they would sweep that given how close and competitive the game was against USC. It was only a 13 point game. Yeah. It was like, you know, yeah. Super, super close and competitive. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a huge monumental blowout that the score disguises in, in very fun ways. It yeah. wasn't at all like that. Um, do we have, so we have a new, uh, new, um, power, power, uh, 12 or whatever. What do we call it? The power rankings. So we I have, I think that's what we call I'm it. Like, we what am I, power I'm like the new power 12. I'm trying to make some <laughs> shit up here. Um, new power 12. <laughs> Uh, I don't really agree with the top of the rankings, but it's it's kind of weird when I was looking at it and trying to do my rankings and stuff. I don't know what you thought, but it just it's just like who really goes where and is this team good? And you look at the Pac-12 South and everybody's got at least two losses. It's a weird. The conference is weird right now. Yeah, I think if I was if I was doing it, my my top section would be different from what uh, this is, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but. I think this is a true point where it's you have to do it as a power ranking, not as like who's who's going to be there at the end of the year, because there are a couple of teams that are very clearly surging right now, which we're going to talk about um, that would rise to the top, I think, of any power ranking that's kind of snapshot in time. Yeah. Um, And as far as our picks go, we both were three and three. Um, We had I think we had two of them that were different and we split. Uh, we split the picks. I got the Stanford one, right. You had Arizona state and you got the Colorado one, right. I had Washington. So, and then we split the rest. So it was pretty, 
like milk toast weekend for us picking games three and three. Uh, we're it's still close. I'm 37, 20 and three against the spread. You're 35, uh, 22 and three. So just two games separate us. So it's like kind of a blah, um, week of yeah. picks. And as far as the survivor pool, everyone picked UCLA that's still alive and they, <laughs> they won by a point. So we're, we're still trucking along. Um, pretty, pretty, you know, surviving eight weeks. That's not bad. Uh, four of the nine of us are, are still in there, but Dave, are you ready for our pack 12 roundup? I am. Is there, is there anything else you needed to get off your chest before we jump in there? Spice girls or, or otherwise? God, no, God, no. Let's do this. Okay. Yeah. We got to get through these because there's six games that we have to recap plus six more to preview. All right. Number 12, and they're pretty secure in this spot, I think, for the rest of the season. <laughs> Oregon State Beavers. I never know what to do with those guys. Uh, taking on California Golden Bears. So I feel pretty good about Cal's placement at 10. It's not great. I, I might have them one spot up or down, but that's fine. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this game. It was brutal, ugly uh, but I do want to say Cal made the decision they probably should have made a week ago after Brandon McIlwain, uh pretty much single-handedly lost in that game against Arizona on the road. And then he almost certainly single-handedly made it a non-competitive laugher last week against UCLA. They benched him, started Chase Garbers, were completely fine throwing the ball. The running game got going. Garbers looked fine running the ball, too. Um, and yeah, it was Oregon State's defense, which is atrocious, but... Still, you put up 49 points, um, you and you only allow seven against Oregon State. This is a really nice rebound for them. They should start Garbers the rest of the way, um, and McElwain should just come in for you know wildcat situations because I just don't think he's up to throwing the ball. Yeah, uh, this was really strange. I watched this on my uh, tablet at the USC-Utah game from the press box, and I was just like, what is going on here? I feel like... I never. I just pick the opposite of what the reality is each week for Oregon State. When you think they're yep. looking better, and then they're like, nope, they, they're not. And then same thing with Cal. You're like, God, are they awful? And then they come and put this one together on the road. It's the first conference road game in like three years that they've won. Like it's just, everything kind of defies uh, logic in this. So I thought like getting points uh, over a touchdown or whatever it was for Oregon State seemed like the, the right pick. This was as far off as you could possibly be. Uh, you know, and it shows when you do something in college, you can make uh, a change like that where I, I just don't understand what Cal's been doing with their quarterback spot. But, they, you know, at least they've kind of settled in now. It seems like, OK, maybe this will be a better team going forward. Yeah, I forgot to mention they're number 10. So this was uh, this was 12 versus 11. Now they moved up one spot to 10. And I believe uh, Connor Blount got hurt early in this yeah, one, concussion. Too. So uh, we saw Jack uh, Coletto, but it didn't really matter. This was just like. This was a boat race. This was a complete Cal boat race. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I think I, maybe Cal looks a little bit better. Like kind of, I thought they were going to be better and they weren't. And I kept holding on. I'm like, I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be better. And it was like, no. Uh, I mean, getting trounced by UCLA last week and then trouncing Oregon State this week. Like, how? what do you make of that <laughs> at home? I, I, think you know? you, I, I think you make of it that Oregon State is really bad. And even if Cal had ran out uh, Brandon McElwain, they might have had a chance to win this game. Um, and also, Oregon State was dinged up. I mean, Connor Blount did go down with a concussion, and he already was second string. Jake Luton started the year at quarterback. He's gone um, or hurt. Um, and then uh, 
Oregon State was also mostly without Jamar Jefferson, um, who's been dinged up. Artavis Pierce came back for this one, and he was fine, but he wasn't. Jefferson uh, Jefferson did have two carries for seventeen uh, for thirty four yards, but he wasn't playing the whole game. Um, so there were some mitigating factors, but yeah, I mean it's a blowout like this. I don't. This isn't the same Cal team that lost by thirty to UCLA um, at home and then goes on the road and beats Oregon State by 42. Yeah. The Pac-12 never makes any sense, but it's it seems like it's especially not making sense this year. Yeah. That's, I mean, Cal got absolutely destroyed the week before at home and then just go on the road, which, you know, you never think it's an easy place to play in Corvallis. And, I yeah, I'm not going to – Well, the thing, the, the, the thing was Oregon State's offense was better than UCLA's was all year. UCLA puts up 37. Oregon State puts up 7. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what home and road. Yeah. It makes no sense. The PAC 12 you're drunk. Um, so I don't feel terrible about missing that pick. I'll probably make the same pick again, but it would be wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, our number 11 team, Arizona Wildcats. I like that growl. Uh, they were on the road taking on now up to number eight. Crazy UCLA Bruins. <laughs> That's too high for UCLA. Uh, UCLA should have lost this game. Um, Arizona, UCLA won 31-30. The Bruins had to hang on uh, there at the end. Arizona was driving, and they opted to kick a field goal with six and a half left rather than continue to drive and try to get in for the score. Um, It would have been a tough conversion. It was like fourth and five. Um, But uh, UCLA had two... Uh, takeaways basically in the end zone in this game. Um, one Quentin Lake interception in the end zone and one, maybe the most incredible play I've seen this off uh, this entire season where Darnay Holmes from a flat footed position uh, runs down JJ Taylor from behind on a breakaway that would have been a touchdown against any other corner in the nation. Um, and Holmes is able to run, run him down and then not only run him down and, you know, tackle him, but run him down punch the ball away and then recover the fumble in the end zone. But that's literally at least 10 points. Um, the touchdown, the obvious touchdown there. And then what would have been at least a field goal drive. If, uh, if, uh, Rhett Rodriguez hadn't thrown that interception in the end zone that UCLA got a, basically a 10 point swing from those two, uh, turnovers at minimum. Um, and those just don't happen every day. You know, I could go into the whole statistical thing about turnovers being largely luck based, but they are, you can just take my word for it. Um, and to have both of those in this game, um, I was looking at the post game win expectancies, which is what, uh, Bill Connolly puts together based on the, the key stats from the game, what you would, based on these key stats, how many times would you be expected to win this? And UCLA is expected to win this game about 19% of the time. So, uh, Arizona should have won. Um, UCLA did get some injuries. Dorian Thompson Robinson went down early. Um, with what appears to be some sort of shoulder injury, Wilton Spate came in and he was fine. Uh, it took a while to get going, but he was fine by the second half and, and, uh, dealing actually in the fourth quarter. Um, but Arizona was getting explosive play after explosive play. JJ Taylor looked great. UCLA's defense looked non-existent. Um, Gary Brightwell, his understudy at running back also looked great. And Rhett Rodriguez, you know, he's not he's not going to blow anybody away and he has, he has less than a Browning at, uh, as his right arm. Like it's, <laughs> you called it's, it half a Browning on Twitter. I think that's, I, a- I, I measured it out, um, <laughs> on a scale as half a Browning. Um, and all he had really was these kind of 
little loop and throws down the sideline to Sean Poindexter, but that was enough because UCLA kept going into single man coverage with Elijah Gates on Sean Poindexter, and Elijah Gates gives up about seven or eight inches to Sean Poindexter. So that matchup was more or less a foregone conclusion if Rhett Rodriguez could get the ball anywhere in the area, and he was able to because UCLA's pass rush wasn't getting close to him all game. So it was a bad defensive performance, mostly inefficient offensive performance for UCLA. They were lucky to walk away with the win, but we're sitting here talking about a UCLA team that could play badly and still win a game. So that's an improvement. They are they are alive for the Pac-12 South title uh, with the, you know only two losses in conference. So they're tied in the loss column with everybody else. Uh, I think Tracy, uh, your brother Tracy Pearson put it best. It was like, he, he wrote a column basically like, UCLA played like crap and won. So that's progress. Um, it is, you know, they they played much better last week, but they had some progress there. Those sure, those two turnovers, Arizona, Arizona just had points on the board and just were taken away. Um, when you're talking about a one-point win, so many things, could, and it seemed like there was a million things that Arizona could have did uh, to win this game, which that, that stat that you gave about like an 18%, you know, win, probability makes a lot of sense just you know from what I watched this one and uh it's funny you had two former Michigan players right uh Wilton Spate and Devin Asiasi they would have actually tied Michigan State uh you know scoring seven points themselves so that's not a bad that's not a bad one (laughs) right yeah exactly that's not just the two of them for UCLA still scored as much as Michigan State did the whole game that was I watched part of that uh I was in an Airbnb that we only got um like antenna channels you know local channels and I was watching that, and like, oh, this is just garbage football. There were so many. Pun- I think they had more punts in that game than like Alabama had all year. It was like crazy. It was horrendous. Yeah, that was a horrendous football game. Yeah, this one was not. And I, I often say that UCLA football games are mostly horrendous. This one wasn't. This was actually kind of enjoyable to watch. It just wasn't particularly well played. But there was a lot of scoring because um, UCLA's defense didn't show up, and Arizona's defense just isn't very good. Um, so that. You know that was that was that made it at least exciting to watch. All right, so number uh, number nine we had Cal. We already talked about them. Number eight we have Arizona State Sun Devils, <laughs> and uh, they were hosting on Thursday night up to number five now. Stanford Cardinal. Yes, he's at number nine. Oh, did I say? Did yeah. I screw it? I'm sorry about that. No, no, no you're fine. Is it um, number nine? Yeah, they're nine and UCLA is eight for some reason. I would have this flipped. Um, oh, okay. Cal, Cal's 10. I'm sorry. Cal's 10. Arizona State's nine. My bad. Yeah. Um, so Stanford uh, went to Tempe and they won this football game. Um, another one where win expectancy would tell you that Arizona State should have won. Um, Manny Wilkins. I, I, look, I don't. I hate to pin a loss on a single player, but... Manny Wilkins has to shoulder a lot of the blame for this loss. Um, Stanford came in, didn't look great, looked better than they had in previous weeks, but they only put up 20 points. Um, Arizona State, though, only put up 13. And down the stretch of this game, the final drive for Arizona State, they had to drive, and they'd been moving the ball pretty well in the second half. And they had to go, um, essentially in two minutes, they had to go, uh, I think it was like 75 yards, 85 yards for the score. Um, and Manny Wilkins proceeds to, you know, kind of get it moving in the middle of the field, but then he checks down twice on this drive in the last minute or so. First, he checks down underneath and it shaves off. Seriously, it must have been like 35 seconds. Um, just in the middle of this drive when they just crossed midfield, 
checks it down, um, throws underneath with no timeouts, and it shaves off like 35 seconds. And then the final play of the game where you absolutely like the the, the one thing you cannot do in this situation is throw underneath. Um, he tosses it underneath to Eno Benjamin, who basically just runs out the clock at that point. Um, for a senior quarterback to make those mistakes in that situation, that was that was pretty egregiously bad. And he was not he wasn't great all game. You know, the announcers kept talking about it. He was just so amped up that he was just throwing everything long and hard. And we saw that a bunch this year, really. I mean, when Manny Wilkins is kind of cool, calm, and collected, he can be pretty good and pretty accurate. And even in this game, he had moments where he was good and accurate. But um, he gets amped up. You know, he's an emotional player, and I think he kind of uh, let his emotions get the best of him. And then on that final drive, I just think he kind of lost his lost his sense of the game for a little bit. It was it was unfortunate to watch because I thought they 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 were every bit as good as Stanford, and I yeah. think they. They probably could have won this game, um, but just didn't didn't have the right set of things going on at quarterback. Yeah, it's, I think it's still a dangerous team. Um, it's it's a team that's you know going to win or lose by seven points probably most of the way. So we'll see uh, how they can kind of bounce back. Forgot to mention for the uh, the previous game, Arizona UCLA. It was a uh, uh, UCLA was favored by seven, and we both took UCLA. We were wrong, so that was one of the ones we got right. But UCLA did have the ball at the fifteen. With about a minute to go, and yeah. if they just kept running plays, which I was expecting and hoping they would do, they could have won the not. game. And they, they were they were covered for a while. When I came back up from the the field, um, they were up by like ten, and then it was like all of a sudden they were down by ten or something. It was like or down by three. What it was, I'm like, what the heck happened here? They were covering, yep. and then they weren't. Uh, in this game, uh, this is the one I took Stanford. You took uh, Arizona State. It didn't look like I was going to cover, but they did. Um, the one thing that you didn't realize, Dave, Stanford's never lost three in a row under David Shaw. So that's one. And, and they. Oh, it, it got hammered into my skull several times during this broadcast. <laughs> that's what uh, I wanted to I, 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 I want to do an homage to the solid variable with the first half. Can, can I do it real quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The, the drive chart reads punt, punt, fumble, punt, punt, field goal, punt, fumble, field goal, interception, end of half. Nice. That was the first half. It was six to three Stanford at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> no one's no one's ever going to get that hour and change back no. that you that you expended watching that first half. It was pretty, but then it got better in the second half. And as Stanford, it was fun in the second half. I enjoyed the second half. Yeah. So Stanford scores a couple of touchdowns. They get the lead, and it seemed like over. It seemed like okay, they're going to Stanford away this uh, victory. But man, did David Shaw get conservative? Uh, not not that you should be shocked, <laughs> but they were like they were just going to try to run the ball and they couldn't run the ball and Arizona state was just stopping them, but they were, they were not going to give it up. Uh, Arizona state's offense just didn't look great, but they saw there was a little bit of life in the fourth quarter. Like you were talking about um, Shaw just refused to pass though. He'd go three and out, three and out, three and out. It was like, it was almost like he was daring Arizona state to come back in the game and they wanted it to happen. Um, Arizona state, what really hurt them because they were playing pretty good defense, but they had seven penalties for 86 yards and all of it was on the defensive side. Uh, of the ball. And then, like you said, running out the clock at the end of the game, that was just absolutely crazy. Uh, the the stat I got, this is from Josh uh, Dubow. Uh, he's an AP reporter at Josh, D-U-B-O-W-A-P. He said, updating the Bryce Love stat line with the game over. Love has 348 yards on 87 carries this season for Stanford. He had uh, 1,014 1, yards on his first 87 carries last season. The difference... <sighs> 7.7 yards per carry. So, I don't know. No, Khalil Tate, Bryce Love, the two 
you know, Heisman front runners for the Pac-12 are just not getting it done this year. Yeah, and Love, you know, he started to have that ankle injury last year, and I wonder how much of that is just kind of carrying over now into this season because, he, he, I mean, he again has the ankle issue. They seem to think it's a different one, but I just – once you've sprained your ankle once, isn't the whole thing that it's then just a lot easier to sprain it after that? Yeah, I would think so. It's re- um, redone, yeah. You but can- he just doesn't – he doesn't look quite the same. I mean, I think – most of this is on the offensive line, which has taken a major step back for Stanford in a lot of ways, um, allowing way too much pressure on the quarterback and also not opening up holes in the run game very well. Uh, but some of it's got to be on love at this point. He just doesn't look right. And, of course, the, the David Shaw factor. Um, I mean, just see them trying to keep running and running. Like, are you kidding me? Like, just would you stop? Like, how many more three and outs do you want to go? You just want to let Arizona State back in the game? But whatever. That's a David Shaw we know and love. Um, I think Stanford fans just kind of deal with it. They they realize <laughs> what's yeah, going on. Yeah, it, it's it's that it's I get it at a certain level. It's that stubborn arrogance thing where you you wanna you wanna just constantly have your identity over everything. Yeah. Like it's just we we're gonna be that team that has a strong defense and a running game. Except this team this team this year doesn't have a great defense and doesn't have a good running game. No. Uh, so it's just you got big wide you know, receivers and a quarterback that can sling it to them and just do that. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, if this team was going full air raid, I'd feel pretty good right now. But they're not. Um, you know, just just a bunch of short routes and throw it deep. Um, Coaches get so. like that sometimes. Their words and it, there's an arrogance factor, but it's almost like they want to win a certain way. And it's you would sacrifice winning to make sure you do it the way you want to do it. You know what I mean? Like there's we're going to do it this way, or we're not going to get it done. Where they you have the personnel or whatever it is to do it a different way. And you can guarantee a win, but you want to do it a certain way. Yeah, and the thing that I would say is when you do have that identity and you try to build it the way Stanford does, they tend to get better as the season goes on. That's why we always talk about, oh, catch Stanford early, because by the end of the year, they will have started to click and get all this stuff down. And I have no doubt that by the end of the year, Stanford's going to look better than they do right now, because that's just been the way of it under them. Um, there was that one classic year, 2014, where they started out like I think they were five and five or four and five through nine, something like that. And then they won three or four straight, finished the year like eight and five or nine and five or something. And it's just, you know, that's what Stanford does. They get better throughout the year. They eventually figure out how to fit the pieces into that identity. Um, but it can be painful watching these early to midseason Stanford games when they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. All right, uh, so we had UCLA was number eight, and our number seven team, Colorado Buffalo, and they were on the road taking on the number two team, and I don't agree with that ranking, Washington Huskies. Yeah, I wouldn't have Washington number two right now, even though, like, from a quality perspective, they probably are, or even number one, but just from a way they're playing right now, I wouldn't. Um, this is one of those classic Washington games where, look, a lot of people find Stanford boring. I find watching Washington play really, really boring. Yeah, It's just not an enjoyable style of football really on either side of the ball for me. It's a kind of conservative but very good defensive style, but they're not like getting into the backfield a ton. No. And then offensively, uh, it's just uh, – it's nothing incredibly explosive or great. It's just – you know, reasonably efficient. They'll get down the field and score on a long drive. Like that's what it is. Uh, they did to Colorado what they do to teams. Um, they beat them 27 to 13. No, they didn't cover Washington often doesn't. Um, it, it, it was a close game at halftime, but at no point did this game feel like it was super in doubt to me. 
Um, Washington kind of kept Colorado at arm's length, uh, but just at arm's length. Not really. Right. Not any further. But, yeah, never like tossing them down the hallway, but just always like, <laughs> you know, like like a like a dad playing with his kids and not really paying attention. He's just got the hand on the forehead. You know, they're trying to take swings. Yeah, it was like that. Um, Colorado obviously didn't have LaVisca Chenault, so I think that played a big role here. And so Colorado was working in a lot of different receivers. And I think that probably played a role actually in Colorado opening up the game pretty well at the beginning because Washington was having to cover guys that Colorado has never thrown to this year. Um, like they, Colorado was mixing in tight ends basically for the first time all year. And I think Washington's defensive scheme had not accounted for that in any real way. So uh, Montez was able to find some holes, I think, in the in the in the secondary, um, especially early on. But that all got shut down in the second half. Uh, Colorado got nothing going in the second half at all. And Washington just kind of kept plugging away. You know, um, they were without Miles Gaskin. And I thought Salvan Ahmed and uh, Sean McGrew both did really, really well. Um, Kwari Pleasant actually was running well at times. Um, but Ahmed and um, and McGrew were both yeah. really good. And um, Aaron Fuller made one of the most impressive catches we've seen all year. That one reaching thing. back across his body, <laughs> catching the ball with just his right hand. Uh, that was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was a Washington game. It was That's all. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that catch was ridiculous. Uh, a lot of people out in this one, but you just got the feeling that I thought Washington was better, but they weren't going to like flex their muscles in this one. And, 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 you know, there were some bounces early. I think this play happened. If you remember Colorado, like fumbled the ball bounced to Washington and they, but they didn't get it and they muffed it. And then it ended up being like a Colorado first down. And then they, uh, Montez threw to uh, Daniel Arias for his first touchdown ever, like this bomb. And uh, you're like, wow, what's, what's this Colorado team doing? Uh, so it just seemed like early on, like, yeah, I don't think they're going to cover. Like I could tell you watch Washington early. If like a, if a break goes the other team's way, like they're not going to cover. They're just going to win this game. So I kind of knew that wasn't going to happen. This is the one that uh, you end up getting right. But this was a different Colorado offense than what we saw the week before. And uh, uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, Darren Chevery took, uh, he took blame for it. You know, the, the game plan against USC, they kept trying to keep everything at the line of scrimmage and that's what USC was stopping. This one, they pushed it down the field a little bit more, even with the receivers with McIntyre out and Chenault out and all that. I thought it was a much better game plan and they at least kept, you know, Washington on their toes. It wasn't a defense that was going to force a lot of, uh, tackles for loss and things like that. So they got, they got theirs a little bit. Um, you know, and they, you know, kept it close or had the lead early. Uh, and, but Washington later on, then you started to be what, if we do another, uh, solid verbal, was it like a crock potting? Th- I don't know if this was really it, but they started to just, no, like, no, no. I think we called these, uh, or I called it, um, uh, I think they got cask of Amontillado'd. Okay. They just, they just slowly brick somebody in. Um, they, they did brick them in and they, but then, and they could have covered, they got the ball down to the one yard line of Colorado and then fumbled. It was just like, right. So I knew that was a bad sign, but they, they were in control. They just weren't going to, they weren't going to just pound them and put them away. The one thing I would say is if, if Colorado, this is one game where I think one player really does make a difference because if Colorado had had LaVisca Chenault in this game, yeah. things would have been different. Like there was that one series um, to open. I think it was the second half or maybe it was the second series for Colorado in the second half um, where they had the ball at midfield and it was like a third and three and they went wildcat. But instead of having LaVisca Chenault back there, who is again, probably the best short yardage back in the country. And he's a wide receiver. uh, They had Trayvon McMillan, who's a really good running back, but um, he's not LaVisca Chenault 
wasn't able to convert on two straight tries out of the Wildcat, and they turned it over on downs, which then led to a Washington field goal. And from then on, Colorado basically didn't threaten. But yeah. if they convert there and it's, you know, first and 10 on the Washington 44, then I don't know. Maybe it's a different game because it was 14-13 Washington at that point. Yeah. I thought McMillan ran pretty well, a lot better than he did against USC, at least. Um, I don't have his final numbers in front of me, but I thought he did a much better job. He was better fine. Job. He was yeah. fine. Um, you know, I think Washington's always going to be a tough defense to run on, but I thought he was fine. Um, 25 carries for 86 yards. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was He was fine. He was I thought, much more effective, I thought, yeah. Steven Montez probably had more opportunities to keep in this one. And I think that maybe would have taken a little bit more off of McMillan up the middle. I think Montez has to be conscious about um, using his legs more and more because um, he's a good runner. He's a good, big, strong athlete and he can uh, shake off uh, tackles. Um, and I think he needs to use that more as the season goes on. All right. Uh, so let's go up to number six. USC Trojan. They were on the road taking on now number four, which I do not agree with. Utah Utes. Yeah, Utah would be my number two right now. Mine too. Yeah, and USC would be like seven, something like that. Um, yeah, six or seven. I was like, it, like they just beat Colorado. Like, do you put Colorado ahead of them? It's hard, you know. Yeah, head to head's always tough. Anyway, um, Utah won 41 28. And you're probably like, oh, gosh, that was that's a close, that's a close game, right? No. No, 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 no. This was a monumental beatdown. Um, the final yardage totals don't really show it uh, because Matt Fink put up some junk time stuff on Utah. Um, during meaningful play, I actually ended up tweeting this out, so let me pull it up. During meaningful play, which was basically about halfway through the fourth quarter, uh, let me get my my thoughts on the USC-Utah game stat up. Uh, with 8.55 to go, soon after Utah scored to make it 41-21, Utah had 517 yards of offense, and USC had 130. That's a pretty big discrepancy. That's 400 yards different. Uh, if you're wondering why USC was able to score as much as they were, it was a whole lot of BS, like a whole lot of crap. The one like legitimate thing they scored early in the first half was they got a they got a turnover on downs by Utah at midfield and they were able to get a big play out of it and score a touchdown. But after that, it was a fumble touchdown, a fumble recovery by Jay Tufele, uh, who took it in for a touchdown after a Tyler Huntley fumble. And then after that, I mean, it was basically what USC was able to do at the very end of the game, yeah. uh, one of which came after a punt block. Um, yeah, it was a nine yard that, touchdown drive. Right. They, they had 13 drives, David, and uh, nine of them were three plays. <laughs> so six, three and outs, uh, a three and touchdown after the uh, after the failed fourth down conversion by uh, by Utah. And I think it was seven, three and outs and then a, a fourth and it was a three and interception. So, yeah, I think seven, I think it was seven, three and outs, a, a three and touchdown, a three and interception. So nine of the 13 drives. And Utah also broke both of USC's quarterbacks. Uh, JT Daniels uh, is now in concussion protocol. And Matt Fink has broken ribs, right? Yeah, three broken ribs on. And he had to throw a touchdown pass after that. Like he got absolutely trucked. I forget who. Honestly, was, but... he played well. I, yeah, and it I've, wasn't I've, bad. I've, I've, made, I've, I've made fun of Matt Fink in the past. So I do want to note that. He, he, you know, Utah obviously called off the dogs in a real way at that point, but still, he played well. Um, Tyler Huntley's really good. Uh, he's kind of hit his stride. 
He's running the ball really effectively. He had so many, and not even just running the ball, but shaking off like 295 pound defensive linemen to then deliver a ball downfield. Like the, what he was able to do to Christian Rector a couple of times in this game was wild. Just kind of shake loose from a guy who's got 60 pounds on him, 70 pounds on him to then, and then deliver like a strike downfield. Uh, he was 22 of 29 for four touchdowns. This is the best I've ever seen him play yeah. and do it against that level of a defense, um, that athletic of a defense, I should say. Uh, that was that was super impressive. Uh, this was, yeah, this was great. It was, this a, beat was down. a great game for them. USC was up 14 uh, nothing against Texas on the road. They were up 14-3. And in both games, they gave up 34 straight points, which is crazy. And that the Texas game just ended that way. And this one, you know, uh, USC scored a couple more times and Utah scored once more. But it was really uh, so lopsided. And that first, the first two touchdowns for USC to get 14 nothing was kind of freaky. You know, that was the Utah going for it in the first quarter, uh, you know, at, at midfield and they get stuffed. Um, the USC defensive front, I thought was really active. They just jumped around a lot, like trying to confuse it. And that were, I mean, it didn't look like they were set, but they still were stopping some of the short yard Utah stuff. And that was a big play. And then that, the, the, the touchdown pass, it was JT Daniels should have been sacked, like got away, rolls to his left and just heaves a, what Dave likes to call an arm punt into the end zone Two Utah defensive backs are there to fair catch this ball. And somehow <laughs> Michael Pittman jumps over both of them and it's a touchdown. It was like the worst throw, the worst play like you could imagine. And it ended up being a touchdown for USC. And then Jay Tefele, which was ridiculous. He's from Utah, right? You know, from uh, Bingham high school and uh, scoop and score after a Huntley fumble uh, sack and fumble and is running away from dudes, this 300, whatever pound guy, <laughs> fat guy touchdown. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> Um, but after that, like it was like USC is up 14, nothing, but you're like, they're not playing well. And, uh, you know, their first seven drives were all three plays. One of them was a touchdown, but, uh, five, three and outs and an interception. So it was, I feel bad because I thought the defense was playing pretty well. And a lot of people were like getting on them for missing tackles and stuff. But if you're talking about an offense that has 13 drives and nine of them go for three plays and you're in the altitude, uh, it's just, I mean, I don't know what you expect. I mean, there's, they just were put in bad spots a lot. So, um, you remember that win expectancy stat we cited earlier, like, yeah. you know, given the stats of the game. So how often do you think USC could have been expected to win this game? Uh, with the stats, like 8%. 0%. And, and the adjusted scoring margin, which is basically, okay, given the stats of the game, what would you expect the scoring margin to be? Uh, how much do you think Utah should have beaten USC by? Well, if they have a zero percent chance, it has to be like 45 points or something. Thir- 31.6 points. <laughs> yeah, it was. They won by 13. Yeah, it's that was weird at the end. I think I think Utah did call off the dogs and stuff a little bit. But, you know, Matt Fink didn't do bad. I feel like this team, uh, when Matt Fink has been in, is coached. Like, they look like, oh, they're running plays to try to, like, and maybe he's limited, but they're running things to try to help him. I don't feel they're coached when JT's out there. They're just like, oh, he's good. Go out and win the game. And uh, I, I mean, you feel bad. Like, it just doesn't – it looks like they're running an offense. Like, the three-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Petit where they, like, faked it one way. It was like, wow, that's like a real play. Like, where is that when JT Daniels is in there? Um, so, it's it's kind of weird. So, But, yeah, I, Matt Fig is out this week. 
I think Arizona State at a, an early game. And then uh, we don't know about JT Daniels, but Jack Sears, who hasn't had like a meaningful snap in practice since like third week of fall camp, uh, could end up starting this one. Um, will Clay Helton be coaching the team? He will be, yes. For I mean, they, I mean, go- okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Will he still be the head coach of the team? I mean, obviously they're they're probably not being coached by anybody, but <laughs> will he still be will he still have the title of head coach for that game? Yes. Uh he will okay. be the I my belief is he will be the head coach for the rest of the season at least. Uh and maybe even beyond that, which there's no president of the university. You have a first time uh athletic director who's just a former player that no other program would have hired him as their athletic director unless he played there where he played at USC. Uh, I, I just don't know what they're going to do, Dave, but I, I, I almost guarantee it's USC. You can't guarantee anything, but I would almost guarantee nothing happens until after the Notre Dame game. If anything happens at all. All right. We'll see. All right. Uh, we got, so Stanford, we talked about, they are at number five, uh, Utah. We talked about they're at number four and this was, uh, this was the, the big one, Dave. I don't know if you saw, but there was this some program on a cable network that showed up early for this one. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a second. But our number three team. Oregon Ducks. Uh, they had to go on the road. A team that was coming off a bye. Something Oregon benefited from the week before. Taking on now our number one team. Washington State Cougars. Yeah. So game day was a ton of fun. Uh, Washington State then extended the fun to this game. Beating Oregon 34 to 20. Uh, this was 27, nothing at halftime. Uh, Washington state was, uh, I don't, I don't have a good adjective to describe what they were. I mean, it was dominance, but it was such a level of dominance that I don't even think that adequately describes it because Oregon was able to get nothing going offensively either. Washington state was throwing the ball over them, doing their dink and dunk and stuff all the way down the field. But Oregon wasn't able to do anything in response. I mean, their drives were. Let's look at these play counts. All right. First drive, three plays, one yard. Second drive, three plays, 18 yards punt. Third play, three plays, negative seven yards punt. Fourth drive, four plays, nine yards punt. And then fifth drive, five plays, 29 yards downs. Hmm. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Oregon, Oregon had the second best offense in the in the Pac-12 coming into this game behind Washington State. And uh, Washington State's defense pretty much shut them down in that first half. Um, if you watched it, um, it looked like a lot of what Washington State does up front, like they're shifting the defensive line yeah. and all that stuff and the crowd noise. Um, it was effective. With all that <laughs> stuff was just completely throwing off the Oregon offense. I don't know if they went to more of a silent count or changed up their silent count after halftime, but they looked a lot more effective in the second half. They just got in such a deep hole that even – probably outplaying Washington state in the second half. Um, it was just too big of a hole to climb out of. Um, Gardner Minshew is really, really, really good. He had a couple of picks in this one, but, um, he's, I, you know, I keep saying he's playing better than Luke Falk did last year. I honestly think he's playing better than Luke Falk ever did in this offense. Yeah. I think his, his mobility back there his ability to just kind of move around and find the passing lane. Um, that's something that Luke Falk never really had. He was always more of a statue back there. Minshew's got that mobility, and he's plenty accurate. Um, so I really like Gardner Minshew in this offense, and uh, he was good. Credit to Oregon's offense to show up in the second half. It's just uh, it's just a shame we didn't get maybe the fireworks show we were expecting from the beginning of the game. 
It was, and it could have been worse. And just uh, real quick, we uh, for the USC Utah game, we both got that one right. Uh, Utah ended up covering the six and a half point spread. Uh, we both got this one right too, picking Washington State. Um, it could have been worse. Washington State's first drive, they threw an interception in the red zone. Uh, Oregon later, uh, you know, I think after that drive, they had a safety, but there was a false start that saved them. Like there was, there was a lot of things early that could have went even worse. It was twenty-seven nothing at halftime. It could have been worse. And are you wondering that it's the same thing with, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's the major factor, but it's a factor that, you know, poor Oregon had to play their rival the week before and Washington state gets a, you know, week off to lick their wounds after, you know, beating Oregon state on the road. Uh, I mean, it just seemed like they came out and it was, I don't know, but the second half, if, if you would have seen the Oregon team in the second half, the whole game, I think it would have been a much better game. Um, James Williams had one of the best 24 yard touchdown runs you're ever going to see. I think he broke like nine tackles on that one in the first half. So yeah, at some point Washington state had three touchdowns and Oregon had one yard. So it was like, and like I said, it, it could have been worse. And if you looked at after the game, Minshew was an absolute stud. There was, he took some pictures on, uh, I think with Drew Bledsoe, like his kid. And, uh, it was like Bledsoe's, um, Instagram and his hands, left hands all bloody and stuff. He just, they just look like they balled out for this one. It got, you know, it wasn't as good in the second half, but they rode that emotion of game day, which the game day crew, if you want go back and watch some of the videos and stuff, I didn't really get to watch it live. Cause like I was in Airbnb, we didn't have uh, ESPN, but um, I went back and watched afterwards and uh, just the excitement. It was, that, that was the best probably moment for the PAC 12 all year, just having game day at Washington state. And the fact that they were able to put the cherry on the Sunday and get a big win over Oregon. Uh, that that was a great. That that's, this was the feel good moment, I guess, for the whole Pac twelve. Yeah, that was that was really uh, that was really cool to see. Um, and you know, watching Corso uh, put on the uh, the cougar the cougar hat was they got uh, it right. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, so some awesome signs like there was you know so many Minshew like mustache things all over the place. It was great. So we're all on board now, right? We want Washington State in the playoff. Like everyone can band together. I know. All right. So Washington fans, you don't have to believe this, but like everybody else, we want Washington State in the playoff, right? Yeah. Like getting Mike Leach, just like having like having the other three coaches having to deal with Mike Leach <laughs> during like all the media run up. I, I just think it would be beautiful having all of these like SEC, you know, Dabo Swinney, have them having them have to prepare for like an offense where you know, Washington state's going to throw the ball like 95% of the time in a playoff game. I want to see that. I want to see that whole thing. I want to see these, like this group of like two and three star players just having to go up against Alabama. I think it'll be a ton of fun. that would be awesome. Uh, all right. Well, that's our uh, PAC 12 uh, roundup. We're going to preview the games before we do that. I just want to let you know about Robin hood. So it's an investing app that will let you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptocurrencies all commission-free. So they strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a really non-intimidating way for any kind of stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. Simple, intuitive. It's a clear design with data presented to make uh, easily digest all the data and help you you know, do your investing. I used to do a bunch of investing back in my engineering days. I haven't done it for a long time. I now downloaded the, uh, the app on my phone and starting to play with it a little bit. It's really cool. It's easy to use. And the, the best part is there's no cost. There's no commission. So other brokerages, if you go to a big brokerage, it can co- uh, cost you 10 bucks per trade. They don't do that at Robinhood. So they don't charge any commission. There's no fees. 
Uh, so you can trade your stocks and keep all of your own profits. Like I said, it's really easy to use uh, charts and market-driven data. So you can place a trade just four taps uh, on your smartphone. Like I said, I've been doing that uh, with my app. So, And they're going to give, Robinhood's going to give our listeners a free stock like Apple or Ford or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. So all you got to do is sign up. Go to champions.robinhood.com. That's champions.robinhood.com. Dot com. Check it out. Uh, Dave, are you a big stock market guy or no? Not at all. Yeah. We'll, all. we'll get you on you've, this. You, you've met me. I have met you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. It's, it's cool. It's a real simple. That was the, the bad thing when I would do it before. It's like, oh, you got to pay 10 bucks every time you want to trade something. You can trade all you want on this and it's, and it's free. So check I it out. I will become a star, stock market aficionado. Nice. Champions.robinhood.com. Um, all right, Dave. Well, what do you think? We got a. We got some we we got some games to preview. So is it weird that there were six games in week eight? And we got six more in week nine. No buys whatsoever. It is pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. It's an action packed couple of weekends. Hopefully this weekend features some overall better games because I think last weekend, you know, we just talked it up a lot. There was some interesting stuff, but not necessarily the best games no. that anyone has ever watched. Um, I'm hoping for some. Uh, some good ones this weekend. Well, we're seeing, you know, some teams emerge. We're seeing some teams get better. I think uh, it's funny. Um, when I, my picks for the Pac-12 South, I had Utah winning it and Arizona State last. And I did feel real good early on. But they're, it's kind of coming to coming together there, you know. Um, oh, oh, oh. I think, I think, uh, <laughs> I think, I think Arizona's going to rise to the bottom here. You think so? All right. We'll see. Yeah. No, I, I do kind of feel like the way, I mean, Arizona State, and I, I said it after the, after we talked to Cartman, I'm like, you know what? I don't think they're going to finish last. Uh, I wasn't sure who was going to, but like right now, they're the only, they believe they're the only team with three losses in the Pac-12 South. Um, okay. So, we're going to talk. Uh, this is a Friday game to start us off. Utah Utes. And uh, they're going to be in Pasadena taking on UCLA Bruins. Look, you didn't preview this right. This is a battle for first place in the Pac-12 South. My bad. My bad. Come on. All right. <laughs> uh, Friday, October 26th. Isn't that weird? Though? It's it is. It's so odd. You see, always two and five, and tied for first in the Pac-12 South in the loss column. Woohoo! Go Pac-12. Uh, Seven thirty on ESPN. Number twenty-three, Utah going at UCLA. Utes are five and two. Bruins are two and five. It's a palindrome. Um, Utah's favored by ten points. Uh, that feels so. We've got a lot to unpack here. It's a Friday night road game in the Pac-12. The last three years, I think the Pac-12 has combined for one win in those scenarios yeah. and like 13 losses. Um, that said, Utah is surging right now. UCLA was surging a little bit, and then they should have lost to Arizona last week, which is, again, one of the three worst teams in the Pac-12 this year. So what do you make of that? Uh, it's six days later, six days rest for Utah after they were – I would say that was probably an emotional high for them, yes. the way they played against USC. This could be a lull. You know, it's a road game. It's a Friday night. It's six days after you uh, beat up on the probably truest um, South contender. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take UCLA plus the 10. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel at all good about it, actually. 
Um, Utah, I think, should scare UCLA fans um, from the dual threat aspect. UCLA hasn't covered quarterbacks who can run very well this year. Um, and, you know, I think their defense is a more of attacking style than Washington's was, so or Cal's. So any illusions that you had from UCLA being able to run a pretty good offense against those two de- defenses, I don't know that they necessarily apply here. I think UCLA's offense has made enough strides, though, that I think they'll be able to at least score a little bit against Utah, and it's just a question of whether they'll be able to hold them down enough. I don't think UCLA wins, but I think they can cover the 10. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, just situationally, it's not easy. Utah had an extra game, an extra day, because they played, uh, was a, I think it was the previous Friday, uh, to before they played USC. Now they get a shortened week, and you got to go on the road. That's never a good thing. I feel like Utah's going to win like by nine and a half points, <laughs> but they're not going to cover. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Like <laughs> if this, if this line was nine and a half, I don't know which way I would go. Yeah. Uh, that would be right on the nose. So yeah, I'll take UCLA in this one, which probably guarantees Utah to, uh, an absolute drubbing, but you know, we'll see what I, just situationally. I think it's going to be tough. I feel like Utah's going to win the game, but 10 points is a lot. And uh, honestly, if it was on Saturday, I would take Utah, but yes, one extra, one extra day. Uh, That's less, that weird. It's that weird Friday thing. Yeah. It's that weird Friday road thing. And we saw, you know, Oregon be up for one, and then you know, it you know, go on the road. Same sort of thing. Like Utah was up for this one. They, they every, I mean, they were. That was a. The place was rocking. The must was great. My first time there. That was my first. That was the. Now I've been to every Pac-12 stadium now, but um, that was my first time there. It was. It was pretty awesome. Uh, but that's hard to do. Turn it around and now go on the road and beat UCLA, which I think they will, but just not by a ten. All right, so our next one, uh, this should be interesting, right? Am I, am I just going to try to sell it? We have Oregon State Beavers. Can't win at home, so maybe on the road taking on Colorado Buffalo. Sure. Uh, this game's on at noon on the Pac-12 network. Oregon State 1-6 and six going on the road to Colorado 5-2. and two. Uh, Games in Boulder. Um Colorado's favored by 23 and a half points. That's a lot of points, but Oregon State is trending pretty badly of late. Uh, Colorado, we still don't know if LaVisca Chenault's going to be back for this one. Uh, but on Oregon State's side, we don't know if Connor Blount's going to be back um, going through the concussion protocol or if Jamar Jefferson's going to be back. Um, Colorado has had a game without Chenault now, so they've ironed out some things. I actually thought their receiving core looked pretty good against Washington. Um the thing is, uh, I don't know if they're going to score enough to cover 23 and a half if Chanel isn't healthy. So I'm going to take Oregon State plus 23 and a half. I don't feel I don't feel good about it, but I think Oregon State, they've shown enough offensively this year that I think they'll be able to score enough to keep it within three scores with a team that will probably be a little bit more limited than usual offensively. So I like Colorado to win comfortably. I just think 23 and a half is a lot. Okay, so my record on the season is 37, 20, and three. So I have 20 losses. I feel like 18 of them have been Oregon State <laughs> not being able to cover given like 30 points, you know? Um, so there is no, I'm never doing it again, Beavers. I am sorry. Every time I pick you to cover these, like get, oh, 31 points. Oregon State's definitely going to keep within that. No, it's just, it doesn't happen. So give me Colorado. They're at home. Oregon State on the road. 
Uh, I cannot. I can't do it anymore. I can't watch these games hoping Oregon State keeps it within <laughs> five touchdowns, and they can't do it. So I'm not doing it anymore, Beavs. I'm sorry. I did it so many times. No more. Give me, give me the buffs. All right, buff stampede. Okay. I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Um, I just there's too much pain, Dave. It's just like a you know. <laughs> I feel like I've recently divorced, and I just I can't see her again. Uh, okay. It. So this one, that's a 12 o'clock one. This was, you know, half hour later. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> They'll be in the Coliseum yes. taking on USC Trojans. I do want to note this. After balancing the schedule pretty well earlier in the season, it's now like they're just stacking games together. Yeah. It's just, eh, it just sucks. Um, anyway. 1230 on ABC or ESPN2 in certain markets. Uh, Arizona State going on the road to take on USC. Uh, the line on this one is a little bit crazy to me. Really? Uh, without knowing JT Daniels' status or Matt Fink, what do you think the line is? Uh, like four? USC minus six and a half. Whoa. Football points. Football they points? By, they are favored by six and a half football points. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, all right. So let's go through what we know about these teams. Arizona State, uh, they have a really good receiver that they are inconsistent throwing the ball to. But they have a second good receiver who they're, you know, also inconsistent throwing the ball to. <laughs> um, Manny Wilkins is sometimes okay. Other times not so okay. Uh, you know, Benjamin's really good. And ASU went through a stretch there where they could really, really, really run the ball. Um, they play teams close, uh, lots and lots of close games. Um, Herm Edwards loves to be within a touchdown of teams. Um, USC, uh, is bad. Uh, they're not, they're not good. Um, quarterback situation, maybe Jack Sears, who hasn't played a football game in college. Um, their defense is highly touted and has been good at times, um, but it's not dominant. And uh, if you I, I've seen a lot of teams being able to run right at them um, if they've got a certain makeup of skills. And I think, you know, Benjamin and that ASU offensive line has the chance to run it at him pretty good. Um, I'm taking Arizona State plus the six and a half here, and I wouldn't be shocked if they win. I think USC could also be in somewhat of a demoralized state after just getting their butts handed to them at Utah. So uh, give me the Sun Devils. I am 100 percent. agree. I mean, there's not really I, n- I never picked. USC to cover spreads, but um, they had a little blip there where they covered a couple. But for the most part, they're really bad at it. Uh, I thought it would be like a three or four point game. Now, Arizona State, when they lose, they lose by seven. So if they lose this game, they're probably going to lose by seven. And then uh, they're, you know, but they'll cover. And we're, the we're not we're not kidding, by the way. They've no. lost four games this year, each of them by exactly seven <laughs> points. They it lost is- to San Diego State, 28-21. Washington, 27-20. Colorado, 28-21. Stanford twenty to thirteen. Yeah, how crazy is that? It's kind of that's crazy. just who they are. They uh, lose. They lose by seven points. Uh, that's what they do. And you the know, Herm they, Edwards era, we lose by seven points. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I think that's going to happen again. I think. Well, I, I think it'll be like a closer, closeish kind of game. But uh, I'm not going to. I'll take ASU in the points. We don't know what the quarterback situation is. That seems like a lot of points. So. Um, I kind of feel it's going to be a field goal game either way. So six and a half, I'll take ASU. Wait, wait, but then definitionally you're taking ASU to win because ASU 
as we just described, loses by seven points. Right. If I, you're taking them to cover six and a half, you're taking them to win. Okay. Uh, well, I feel like they could lose by three. I don't think they have no, to. No, 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 no. We've established <laughs> the rules. That's what they ASU do. ASU loses by seven points. <laughs> it's a one. It's also one possession. So uh, we'll see. All right. We'll see what happens there. That's the uh, that's the twelve thirty game. Uh, next up. This could be interesting. Washington Huskies. <laughs> on the road, taking on California Golden Bears. Yeah, this will be interesting. 330 on FS1, uh, number 15, Washington, 6-2, and two, going at Cal. Uh, Washington's favored by 10 and a half. Uh, describe to me like a really meaningful difference between these two teams from like a qualitative standpoint. Because like, okay, so they both run basically the same defense. Washington in defensive S&P is 7th. Cal is 18th. They were like top 10 until very recently. Washington has a better offense, I guess. Cal's isn't good. But with Chase Garbers back there, I mean, is he is he super different from Jake Browning? Like, wildly so? I mean, Browning has like 10,000 more passing yards. <laughs> okay, so that's a meaningful difference. I guess what I'm saying is that's a lot of points. Um, it's a lot of points for me with Washington, especially on the road, um, against a defensive coach in Justin Wilcox, who's very familiar, I think with Chris Peterson or what he likes to do offensively. Um, and I think Cal, Cal has a, a stout ish defense that could, it's going to force Washington into long drives. I think Washington's going to win, but 10 and a half feels like a lot. I think they could win this by seven to 10. So I'll take Cal plus 10 and a half. I will agree with you there. So I'm kind of torn on this because these are two teams that torment me. Uh, Washington, I keep thinking they're going to cover the two, two plus, two plus ish touchdown kind of spreads and they do not. Cal, I would, you know, I'm like, oh, they're back. I think they're going to be, they're going to surge and do better. And then they don't. And then I think, oh, they're going to suck. And then they come back. So it's, I've not been able to like put my thumb on either of these two teams, but that does seem like a lot. Uh, you know, Cal got throttled two weeks ago by UCLA at home. So is there any reason to think that Washington won't throttle them? I mean, that I don't know, but I'm going to go with you, Dave. I'm going to take Cal, the 10 and a half. Uh, I think with the, maybe the quarterback situation, just in a much more stable place, uh, that they, they hang with them. And it, I could feel like Washington could dominate this game, but just win by 10, you know? And so, um, I kind of, Feel that's what's going to happen, uh, you know. As long as Cal doesn't come out and just completely implode, that I think the defense should keep him in a little bit. And uh, you know, ten points seems reasonable. So I, I think Washington wins by ten. I will take Cal plus the ten and a half. Woohoo! I like it. Uh, okay, this one probably the best, right? The crown jewel of the Pac-12 schedule for Week Nine. We have Washington State Cougars. <laughs> They're on the road, taking on Stanford Cardinal. Yeah, this game should be fun. Uh, so this is 4 p.m. Uh, on... Wait. Is this really on the Pac-12 network? Yes, it is. <laughs> That's not even me being funny. Like I didn't realize that either. But I just looked oh at my, my chart. Oh, my God. Oregon All State, right. Colorado is on the Pac-12 network, and Washington State, Stanford is on the Pac-12 The network. only ranked-on-ranked game this week in the Pac-12 is on the... My God. All right, number... 
14, Washington State going on the road to take on number 24, Stanford. Stanford's favored by three. Stanford's favored. Stanford is favored by three football points. Wow. Um, Okay, so Stanford, I thought, looked um, better than they had in the previous two weeks last week against ASU, but certainly not good. Um, Washington State, meanwhile, I thought looked legitimately good against Oregon. Um, their offense is uh, firing on every possible cylinder it's possible for an offense to be firing on. Stanford's defense is average, not great. Uh, they are, uh, gosh, they're pretty good against the pass, which maybe that's why, you know, I think Paulson Adebo, he's going to give some trouble, but Washington State spreads the ball around so much. It's not like a, it's not like defending a typical pass happy offense because they're throwing to running backs. They don't care who they're throwing it to. Um, so, yeah, you've got a good corner. Okay, it'll shut down one of our, like, seven receivers. Um, so I I don't really get this line, but usually when I say that, that means that the the, the line is going to be pro- proven correct in, like, a major way. Uh, but I will still not go against my instincts. I'm going to take Washington State here. I think they're just a better team fundamentally. Stanford hasn't been able to run the ball on anybody this year. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it on Washington State. Um, and... Uh, Frankly, I think they're going to be able to get home against KJ Costello enough that he's disrupted enough that they're not able to just sit back and do their, you know, throw it deep thing. Um, You know, Washington State sacks the quarterback at a pretty good rate. So, yeah, give me Washington State. I think they win on the road here and continue their uh, their march to the playoff. This one's tough for me because my gut says take Washington. You're getting points and you're Washington State. Here's where the problem would be. Uh, there's a stat out there that any team, I don't have the exact stat, any team that plays Oregon the following week, their program goes to crap. They just go away. <laughs> the program shuts up and dies. So I don't think I don't think anyone's played Oregon and won the next week or, so, or like, two, like something crazy like that. Uh, at least I was going that way for a while. And Washington State, uh, I would say there, there's not, wouldn't be the best group of defensive backs and I, they can commit a lot of penalties. I could see like 15 pass interference penalties against the Stanford, if, if Stanford wanted to do that. So I, if, if, if Washington State doesn't win, I think that's going to be why. Um, but getting three points as well as Washington State is playing, uh, I, it's hard for me to turn that down. But it's Stanford. You know, they, they kind of do that to you every once in a while. We'll see. But getting three points, I'm going to take Washington State. Just watch the – if Stanford decides to throw the ball deep – uh, I think they're going to have a lot of success. I'm just not sure they're willing to do that. So if it's a close game, they probably don't. If Washington State jumps out to an early lead, it might force Stanford to th- start throwing. And then maybe, exactly. You know. And then Stanford comes back and wins. Right. No, I agree. That's my read on Stanford all year, except against Notre Dame. But they get down huge. Look out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So we'll we'll see about that one. But I, yeah, Washington State getting three points. It's just too hard uh, to pass up. Okay. The last game we got Oregon Ducks on the road in Tucson, taking on Arizona Wildcats. All right. So this game is on at seven 30 on ESPN number 19, Oregon. They're five and two now going on the road against Arizona. Tough luck losers last week um, at UCLA. Oregon's favored by 10. They are favored by 10 points yeah. on the road at Arizona. Oregon looked pretty good in the second half last week against Washington State, but they looked pretty bad in the first half. Um, Arizona 
look better with Rhett Rodriguez uh, than they have in a while, um, especially offensively. But they were going against a UCLA defense that basically didn't show up for the football game. Um, and I don't Oregon's defense isn't good, but I think they are more capable than UCLA showed last week. Um, and Oregon offensively, I think, is is probably going to get some frustrations out in this one that they weren't able to get out in the first half last week. Um, I like Oregon here. I like them. Uh, I like them to cover the 10. Um, I think Arizona, it, it's a shame they lost because I think that was a, a pretty good opportunity to, you know, at least try to reestablish some semblance of trying to get to a bowl this year. Um, at three and five now, I, I it's going to be hard. Um, I, I think I like Oregon to cover this, but um, I don't feel great about it. What about you? Yeah, I think I like Oregon too. Just my gut goes that way. And I feel like when you look at the situations when Arizona had a game that they really should have won and did not can be a little bit demoralizing. I think with Oregon, um, you know, playing better in the second half, they just ran it. They just got blitzkrieged in the first half by Washington state. So you feel like it's one of those bounce back games for Oregon where maybe it's not necessarily, you know, Arizona lost, but it's not, you feel really terrible about it because you should have won the game. So I feel like, Oregon's going to just bounce back and play really well on the road, just kind of take care of business. And it's like a two or three touchdown win. So I, 10 points is a lot. Uh, we'll see. Maybe Arizona, you know, Kevin Sullivan gets them rallied and they, they can do it. But I feel like Oregon's going to win this fairly comfortably on the road. Yep. All right. So what are we? We're oh, good. Only like an hour and 15 minutes into this. This is great. That was, not, that was pretty good to go through six recaps and six previews. We are on pace. I like it. Um, well, do you want to jump jump into a voicemail question? I think that's only right. All right. Let's play this one for you. This is Chris from Corvallis. Let me tell you something, good brothers. I'm actually not from Corvallis. I'm from Belfast, Ireland. What do you think the chances are of four SEC teams making it to the college football playoff? Ohio State losing. Oregon playing like garbage. What do you think, good brothers? How can we make the Pac-12 great again? I mean, brothers, have a nice evening. Chris, we got to work on your pausing a little bit. There's some some excessive pausing going on there, but no. Well, he, he was trying to work out his Irish accent the entire time. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yours was better. Well, you know, I can do it in fits and bits. <laughs> um, so if I'm to understand that question, it's how does the Pac-12 team get into the playoff? Is that... I was think he said, well, four SEC teams make the playoff. That was four? the word. Yeah, four. I With Ohio State losing. No, I don't think I'm gonna. I'm going to go out on a limb and say one. One. One SEC teams makes the Alabama playoff. just beats everybody by a zillion. And this year, like, Georgia's going to probably have to play them in the championship game, so they'll end up with two losses. So, uh, you know, it would take something like LSU to – beat Alabama and then win the SEC. And I, I mean, I just, I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't think anybody's beating Alabama. No, they yeah. just look too. they don't look like they're playing the same sport as everybody else. So uh, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know if you want to make the playoffs because Alabama is just going to wax you, but you know, like Clemson will probably get in, you know, a big 12 team could, uh, you know, Michigan still got a chance. I mean, there's, there, you know, Notre Dame is obviously still out there. So no, no, not for SEC teams. And it's going to be really hard for the Pac-12 because they just don't have the out-of-conference win against another Power 5 team or, or an independent team that would allow that. So it's uh, 
It's not looking I great. Think it, I, I think it could still happen. Oklahoma's lost once. If they lose in the Big 12 title game to say, like, I don't know, 9-3 and three Texas or whatever. And then um, everybody in the in the Big 10 has a loss now. So Ohio State and Michigan both have a loss. Um, so you don't require all that much chaos, but it does require it all happening. Like, you need each of Ohio State and Michigan probably to end up with at least one more loss. You need first. You need Washington State to win out. Like I don't think a two-loss Pac-12 team is making it in. I, I, I maybe it could happen. I just don't see it. Um, but Washington State, I think it it requires basically everybody else having two losses, and I think that is and everybody else by which I mean the Big 12 winner, the Big 10 winner, and to Notre Dame. So Notre Dame would have to lose. Well, I guess not and Notre Dame because as long as the Big 10 and Big 12 winners both have two losses. If Washington State wins the Pac-12 with one loss, I think they're going to be in. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to supplant Washington State with a two-loss Michigan or a two-loss um, uh, whatever Oklahoma. I just don't. That that doesn't seem like something they could do politically. Maybe, but it just seems unlikely. Yeah. Um, and then you know that would leave Notre Dame in there as well. But I think two of those three need to happen. Notre Dame needs to lose twice. The Big Twelve. Tw- uh, and the Big 12 winner or the Big 10 winner needs to lose twice. Yeah. We'll see. Lots of football to be played. Got to go. You got to see what Washington State can do. That, that's if they run the table, obviously. So there's no there's no room for error, and you're going to need help no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. You don't control your own destiny. Um, I think the first vo- the email is from Mark. He just says, I love the show. Thank you for not being just homers. Is that the yeah. first one? Yeah. That's beautiful. nice, Mark. Thank you. And uh, I posted – we had a couple – iTunes reviews. Please go and uh, review us on iTunes. We had a couple from this month that were nice. Uh, one guy that liked you, Dave, even though you went to UCLA. Yeah, was that sweet? That was a sweet thing to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, I've got one from Scott. Hey, Ryan and Dave. As always, love the podcast and thrilled you picked the Cougs to win the North last week. Also, I'm writing this before we play Oregon, so I really hope your pick aged well. And we didn't shit the bed with game day finally. <laughs> and Pullman, you didn't. You didn't. Actually, that's a, that's a funny little... Um, little pun because a Pullman railway railway car used to be one that you slept in and you didn't shit the bed in Pullman. So that's good. Nice. You didn't shit that Pullman bed. Um, anyway, so random questions. I'll try to make them quick. One, I am always curious why people say big schools, blue bud, blue blood programs would never hire leech. I assume Wazoo fans are fine with this and would love to hear your take. Looking at his results on and off the field at Wazoo and tech combined with the overall positive media attention he brings he has proven he can win and run a clean program. If you gave him the resources and roster talent of a USC, Florida State, Michigan, etc., I think he would bully opponents week after week. Um, so first, I would dispute the positive media attention he brings. I think a lot of um, uh, I would say a lot of universities would not see a lot of the media attention as necessarily positive. Right. Um, and I would say you should probably look a little bit closer at the off-field stuff at Texas Tech, especially. Uh, namely the huge Craig James scandal and that whole deal. Now, I don't know how much of that was on Leach. Um, the world may never know exactly, but uh, that was a little piece of something that, who knows, maybe if he was a little bit more of a personable guy or a little bit more, you know, buddy-buddy uh, with players and players' parents, if that would have gone the exact same way, I don't know. Um, but he has he's an odd duck, as you see from his interviews that everyone enjoys. Um, he's... I think he found he look, he's coached in Lubbock 
and he's coached in Pullman. And I think those are really, really good fits for him because yeah. I think it's a, it's a small media market where he can just kind of be himself and he doesn't have so much attention focused on him at all times. Um, because I think he's, he's a, he's a quirky guy. He's a squirrely kind of quirky guy. I think he's best off in kind of that, that laboratory environment where he can just kind of do his thing in kind of a weird way. Um, but I don't think he'd be a great fit at a bigger place. I just don't, I think he's, I think he's a great coach. I think he's got a great offensive scheme. And I think all of the stuff that's like football level, I think that would fit, but I don't know if he personally fits at a bigger media market. Yeah. hundred percent agree. It would have been awesome to see him at my wife's alma mater, Tennessee, uh, if they, if they would have ended up pulling the trigger there. And, uh, but you know, the one, administration wanted him they got rid of him and then the next administration was like no that's not our guy but to see so that's a case and something like that you're in a fishbowl like those like a whole state like their lives rely on that you know it's it's a whole different ball game now it's more of a college town like knoxville is not miami or anything but it's still like that's all there is like that's what they really 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 care about and you're going to be asked to do so many different things and non Mike Leach thing. So I think that's kind of why it seems worked well. I would, if you're a Wazoo fan, I wouldn't complain. Like it, it works there. It worked in Lubbock. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, he says true too. true or false. Bryce love should have gone pro last year. True. True, 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 true. Uh, three, what is your favorite snarky nicknames that you've heard for each school? Uh, example, mistakes from Montlake university, of spoiled children, Fuckla, et cetera. That's a good off season topic. I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to think off the top of my head. I don't know. The, uh, the, the, what was it? The university of Mexico we got last week was pretty good though. Right. Something that like that. That was great. Yeah. That was great. Um, I always liked university of second choice for USC. That was my favorite one. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Just from like a snooty standpoint. Nice. Snooty um, it up. Mm -hmm. And what, what was the UCLA one? It was, uh, university of Crenshaw left on Artesia. I remember that one. <laughs> Something like that. There was, a. The more racially charged one was the University of Caucasians Lost Among Asians. That was the I one. remember that one too. Yeah. yeah, those were probably the two most common ones. I don't think um, you can say that nowadays. Like that was not, you know. No, no, I don't think you can. Um but we're just, <laughs> just we're recording history. Look, we're recording history. Yes. That's all we're doing here. Um yeah, there were there were a lot of those. Um all right, four. Who do you think are the elite coaches in college football today? Saban. You is he uh, really elite? Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, Saban, uh, Urban, Urban Meyer. Meyer. Um, you got one in the broadcast booth, Rick Neuheisel. <sighs> for um, sure, he would be number two behind Saban for me. Um, Dabo Sweeney. I yeah, think he's up there. Uh, well, you you could put like a James Franklin or no? No, I wouldn't. Uh, Franklin's not in that top top tier for me. I mean, if we're uh, if we're just talking top top tier, um, top of the top. The tippity top. The tippity top. Tippity top. Um, Lincoln Riley hasn't done enough. No. There's really uh, not a lot like after that. Like you're not going to put Harbaugh in there. He just hasn't won big games. At you Michigan. could you could actually talk me into Harbaugh quicker than you could talk me into Franklin right now because at least Harbaugh. So Harbaugh did turn around Michigan. I think it's a big misnomer that they haven't been good. They've been really good. Um, and he turned Stanford into a real program, which is that's that's insane. It's still insane that happened. So you could talk me into Harbaugh. I probably wouldn't put him there of my own volition, but you could talk me into it. Um, I think there's a nice tier of guys just below that elite group. Chris yeah. Peterson, I think, is in there. Um, sure. You could probably you could throw Chris Peterson in there for me. That's fine. Um, but he's at worst that second tier. Um, I think uh, 
I think Chip Kelly will probably be in that second tier um, once he gets everything worked out at UCLA. Um, and then there's a lot of up-and-comer guys who are going to be really good. That Jeff Brom, what he's doing at Purdue is great. Um, I think he's going to be really, really good. Yeah. Um, I, but I no, retweeted, like, someone retweeted a video of him when he was playing for the XFL. And he uh-huh. gets cr- did you see that? He gets crushed. Yeah. His head is it's like his helmet and head are sideways, like just lying on the ground. You're like, oh, my God. And he came back to the sideline in the second half at, with a neck brace on. And then he played six days later and like they interviewed him. It's like the interview, it was the XFL. So you're interviewing and like the microphone is blasting in through the stadium. And he's like, two things. One, uh, something like, I care what it was, but he's like, why are you out here? Like you just got dinged. And he's like, you know, this is the XFL and then something else. So, but it was like just badass, like for a quarterback to be like destroyed like that. And then be back playing. And, uh, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I love Jeff Brom. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's really that, that group of three elite at the top, right? Yeah. It's yeah. hard to like, you know, break anyone else, uh, in that those are the teams that are going to be in the playoff every year and all that though. Auburn did have a pretty bad loss, uh, to Jeff Brom. Well, yeah. And, and he's a scumbag. So well, uh, there's the scumbaggy part of it. They're probably all right. scumbags, but not like urban's a, a different urban, level. urban, urban is a famous scumbag now at two different institutions, yes. which is impressive. Um, he's, you know, he he's he's Bobby Petrino with like a little bit less ridiculousness around him. Yeah, um, more like murderers just, around him instead of like hookers or whatever, right? Like you know, right? Like at least Bobby Petrino's like he's just you know he's just kind of a good old boy, right? Yeah. Like it's bad, it's not great, but he's a, he's a good old boy. But Urban's uh, people don't yeah. die. Yeah, yeah, Urban Zicky, Urban Zicky, stay away from him. Um, all right. Anyway, thank you for taking the time, and never forget, Larry Scott is the absolute worst. Go Cougs. Awesome, Thanks, Scott. Thanks, man. That was good. Uh, this is from Roseville Bob. Hi, Ryan and Dave. I've a big. I've been a big fan of you two since the first effort in the park many years ago. Oh yeah, so that was uh, that was our first thing where we did like the recruiting. Yeah. Around that was that like Iman Marshall's class or was it? Yeah, that was uh, Deshaun Holiday, Iman Marshall, Josh Rosen. That whole oh yeah, that was a big. That was a big one. Uh, I have a clarification for something Ryan said a few weeks back and a question for the both of you. Ryan, a few weeks ago, you stated that USC was required to hire a head coach that knew the fight song. Hey, just a note, Hithliday, he's referencing something from a couple weeks ago and is repeating it, telling us what it was. So that helps. So, you know, <laughs> don't just assume we listened to the show right when you did and we know what's going on. I have investigated this and found out that it is not true. Uh-oh. The reason they have to hire a head coach that was an assistant coach or player is the head coach must be conditioned to handle the USC band playing Conquest 500 times a game. They actually play. That's not Conquest. That's tribute to Troy. They play all the time. Uh, the this US, is the only song we know. That's tribute to Troy. It's yeah. boring and it's slow. So pretty much every time the defense doesn't give up a first down, so it could be like nine yards on first down, they play that song. But it's tribute to Troy. It's not Conquest. Conquest is just for like the touchdowns and stuff. Right. The, U- the U.S. The administration does not want the public uh, relation nightmare of explaining why the new head coach ran screaming out of the stadium during <laughs> the game. That's that's fair, Roseville, Bob. Question is as follows. Would it be better for the conference to not make the playoffs or by some miracle make the playoffs? The conference teams in their current state, October 16th, would get blown out in the first round. I know it would be good financially for the conference, but would the blowout damage the conference's standing further? Keep up on the snark, Roseville Bob. 
So I, so I don't think they would get blown out in the first round as long as they're not playing Alabama in the first round. Alabama's playing a different sport. But I think, like, look, they'll lose, most likely. I think the other teams in the playoff will most likely be better unless Washington State surges um, or whatever. But, um, I, I mean, I, would they really be completely non-competitive against, like, I don't know, whatever big like 10 Clemson team comes out or something. Yeah. Clemson or, or even Notre Dame, like Notre Dame hit a nice stride three yeah. weeks ago, but they didn't look great last week. So the problem is know. you're probably going to get it at number four and you play. Alabama. Yeah. And then you play Alabama and you get murdered, yeah. which would continue this disturbing narrative. But it's not like, it's not like the PAC 12 is playing a completely different sport. The PAC 12 is actually better than the ACC. If you look at any kind of reasonable measure of a conference, it's just the ACC has one top end team. That's probably better than any PAC 12 team. But that doesn't – I mean, the Pac-12 is like – it's fine. And the top teams in it, they're all pretty good. There's not a super elite team, which is the problem. But, you know, Utah the last few weeks has been playing closer to an elite team. Um, I don't think they are, but I think they're, they, they, they've shown some high end that's pretty good. And I think Washington State, they're not – I, I think they're a comfortable top 20-ish team. I don't think they're necessarily a top 10 team. But if they stuck in there, I don't think they would look completely out of place. No, I agree with you. Um, I, I I'd say you try to make it, you know. And anything yeah, can happen. always make it. One, It's a one, you know, you can. it's a sport where any day you can win. So that you could set up some huge unless upset. Unless you're USC against Utah last week. Yeah. Zero percent chance. Zero percent <laughs> chance. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, is this me or you? This is you? This is me. Uh, from Anthony. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Which losses would you rank as the most? De- oh wait, didn't we do this one? I feel like we did this, but this is a new one that came in. This is weird. Why are these in this order? No, this isn't. We already did this one. Okay. Uh, this is from Brian. Hey guys, your old pal Bruin Brian here again with a few more random questions. One. Ryan, can you shed any light on the talk about reporters involved with SUC? Suck? With suck? Oh, USC. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> uh, any talk about the uh, reporters involved with USC recruiting, funneling money to Chris Steele? Okay, this is a crazy thing. I, I give your take very briefly, but this is nonsense peddled it's by some... A, uh, a non-reporter peddled, like, yes. Basically was fired from his job. I don't even going to mention a name, but this is complete bunk. Uh, the fact that I'm working together with the people on the rival site, which, you know, I'd left and there was like contentious relationships there. Uh, we should tell you all you need to know. I posted on their site to let, you know, defend them and myself as well. I didn't post anything publicly. This is just complete crap. There's no money going to Chris Steele. Uh, what happened was there was a report, uh, a site uh, called SEC country that went under Two people were working for that site, the Florida site. One of them uh, was going to try to do recruiting videos for people. So he flew out and did a recruiting video for Chris Steele. It probably cost him like a thousand bucks to do it. So he wanted to try to get his money back. Um, His site went under, so they had no place to put it up. They approached us. They were like, hey, would you like to pay to to host this video? We said no. Like we didn't see the value in that. Um, The problem is... The, the, his partner ended up taking over the USC Rivals site. So the two people had this weird connection to USC. I was told that the, the guy that took over the USC site, Ryan Young, was the one that produced the video, and that was wrong. 
Um, I had told my former staffer about this. Then I re- fixed it the next day. Said, "Hey, it wasn't him. It was this other guy." There's no like there. The, no one was sponsoring this video. It was some you know reporter who's now out of work trying to get his money back from producers. So there was Chris Steele. The only way he was involved in this was that he was in the video. So it was a reporter who made the video, produced it, flew out from Florida to California to do it. So it cost them money to do all that stuff and needed a place to put the video and wanted to get paid to do that. So had nothing to do with Chris Steele. Yeah. All very, very stupid. It was, it's, Uh, it's, it's a guy who's going down in flames, who's trying to bring people down with him. And it's, it's sad. Uh, you know, someone that was used to be a friend, someone I know the other people that used to be friends with and, I, I he's I don't know I, I don't know what to say but he recorded a, a phone conversation he had with me which you can't do legally in California I won't comment on any legal action that will be taken but um yeah yeah is that beautiful the that world the the world of football recruiting for everyone it's, out there uh, oh. for not even the world of football recruiting the world of covering football it recruiting is crazy yes um uh, two from Brian Dave. Do you think DTR's presence and or success at UCLA will have an impact on Jaden Daniels eventually choosing UCLA? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson's looked pretty good this first year. Um, and I can't imagine that's like, you know, if you're Jaden Daniels, I think you look at that and you say, oh, wow, that guy's a true freshman and he's playing pretty well. Am I going to play immediately when I get there? And now if you're a big time guy, I don't think it completely dissuades you from going, but I think it's another thing you have to consider for sure. Um, we're so, at camp. Yeah. We're around Utah. As they think he's going to go there because uh, uh, Tuttle and is going to transfer out. Yeah, I, 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 if I was picking right now, and you know, I'm, I, I leave all of the really good stuff to Biggins and Huffman because they're much better at it than I am. And as anybody who listens to this program knows, I am, uh, I am always wrong. Um, but Jaden Daniels, yeah, I would probably pick Utah at this point. All right. Three, do you guys have any sense of why the Stanford O-line is doing so poorly this season? They probably have the highest-ranked group of linemen as recruits coming out of high school but aren't living up to those rankings. I mean, it's a good question. That's uh, It's been a real issue. Um, I mean, this is an offense that had, I think it was 96% of the scoring returned. Uh, I, I mean, I think Bryce Love not being 100%, but I think – it. It's along with the the offensive lineman. I mean, four of the five starters returned from last year, right? So I don't I don't know. I'm not sure what's wrong, but something's not uh, quite right. Now they they got a lot of turnovers last year, um, you know. So they had a, I think they had like the best turnover margin in the nation, or, or close to that. Uh, I don't think you're getting that again this year, but I'm not sure. Do you have any thoughts? There? I just don't know. I think it's. Um... I don't I just don't think they're playing particularly well, but I also think the offense itself has been I'd love to look a, at a tendency tracker based on formation, but I think they're being even more predictable than Stanford usually is, um, which hasn't helped things. I think no. defenses know what's coming a lot more. And so they're able to key on certain things. Um, I, I, I don't know what to make of Tavita Pritchard as their offensive coordinator, um, but I don't I it just hasn't. It's looked very, very predictable, very, very basic. And I think that's probably putting them in a bad position. But I also just don't think those guys have played as well as they did last year. Yeah. I and think sometimes, the, sometimes it's as simple as that. They're just not playing very well. And, you know, is it Mike Bloomgren? You know, is it because he's now the head coach at Rice? Maybe. Uh, I mean, it's, it seems with all the, with just about everybody back, you know, maybe that's it. I don't know. But it's, uh, there's something that they, they should be better than what they are. 
Better beard, Manny Wilkins or David Woods? David Woods. Yeah, Manny's got a good one, though. I He's do want to say yeah. that. Manny's got a good, good beard. But, um, but I got to pick my partner. I appreciate that. We, we two became one on this podcast. <laughs> uh, five best uniforms in the Pac-12. Oh, God. Um, but I mean, they, they win best uniforms in the nation all the time. Just just say the words. You can say them. It's fine. USC? <laughs> UCLA. UCLA. Those, those are the best uniforms. Come on, who, just say it. Who said that? <laughs> Everyone says that. They love the baby blue uniforms that UCLA hasn't worn in so long. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the old powder blues. Um, I mean, yeah, Oregon, I, like Oregon's got the most. Like you could find, <laughs> you could find the like a lot you like and some you don't. Their uniforms are the most. Um, all right, let's rule some out. Uh, Washingtons are boring. I don't like Washingtons. Um, I, <laughs> I think I've called Washington some form of boring. So many You've times done that a lot. When we started uh, the show, you picked them to win four games, and they like went to the playoff. It's you know, it's good. I've always liked Washington State's okay. Um, they look pretty cool in the the Oregon game. I'm not a big uniform guy. I just don't care. I, I, that's I'm, it's like not the thing. You know, like people people get on me like, why are they wearing those color socks? I'm like, Dude, I don't know. Like, no. Idea. Yeah, I'm I'm on a pun on this one. I just don't care. They yeah. all look fine. Yeah. Uh, six. You are Pac-12 commissioner for a day. What three football? Oh man. What three football related things would you change? Um, the refs. 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 And refs. okay. Refs, move this uh, scheduling from outsource to in-house. Yeah. Um, oh, and move the Pac-12 title game to Vegas. Boom, done. Yeah, I like that. I don't even care if it's in Sam Boyd Stadium. Just move it to Vegas. Yeah, have it at and the MGM says, uh, inside. Yeah, exactly. Thanks as always, and keep up the great work. SC sucks. Love, Bruin Brian. Thanks, Bruin Brian. All right. Um, oh, we got that was the voicemail. Let's see. Do you miss me yet? Uh, okay. This is a uh, grumpy old Michael or I'm not so grumpy this time. Hey guys, which coach does the respective fan base miss more? Ed Orgeron, who is six and one. I think it was six and two actually is USC head coach and has LSU as likely number four team in the country or Todd Graham, who won almost 60% of his games at ASU for their best record since John Cooper left in 1987. For what it's worth, Herm is 1-3 in conference and still needs to play at USC, at Oregon, at Arizona, and gets Utah at home. So here's a question for you then. is Would Todd Graham have a better record right now than Herm Edwards? Just quick answer, no thinking about it. Yes. Yeah, agreed, right? Yes. They, I, I think it's that, pretty That was clear. such a weird firing. He were, they were second in Pac-12 South. Yeah, they they were surging last year um, in a year where they were expected to be bad, bad, bad. And they were good last year um, with continuity and scheme this year. I think ASU would be not that maybe not the clear front runner in the Pac-12 South because Utah does look pretty good. But I think they'd be right there with Utah. Yeah. And I think with Ed Ordron, that, that's, a you know, the, the athletic director at the time, Pat Hayden, had a chance to hire two interim head coaches. He picked the wrong one. Now, I know that a lot of people don't think Ed, Ed Ordron is like, head coach material, but I think at the time it would have been fine, you know, and if it was, even if it's only for a few years, I think you would have been, you would have been much better off than going out and bringing in Sark and then bringing in Sark allowed Chris Peterson to go to Washington. So that's, that's like a disaster all wrapped in one. Um, but, and you know, and you could argue Clay Helton, they needed someone like that too, but only because of the Sark mess that you did by not hiring uh, Ed Orgeron. So 
Um, but both, I think both schools would have been better off if they kept uh, those coaches. When I would say Orgeron from like just a, uh, uh, philosophy standpoint is a better fit for what USC wants. I think in terms of what they want in a scheme, like what he wants to do offensively at LSU is just pound teams, which yeah. is I think what all USC fans are always screaming for their coach to do. Uh, just pound it, run the ball, and just kill teams. And I think USC is capable of doing that with the talent they can get. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, Orgeron, probably a better philosophical fit than whatever Clay Hilton's trying to run an offense. But I think he's a great fit down there. He was always really great to me. And, uh, you know, I wish him the best. I'm, I'm really happy that he's able to, to you know, have a top five team. Uh, you know, it's great. Great for him. So I think yep. he's one of those guys that wasn't that good of a head coach when he started and he got better. And that's that's what you want. You, you want coaches that do get better. It's like he's not going to be strong at everything and a lot of the classical stuff that coaches do. But there's a lot of stuff he does well. And I think he got better at some of the stuff that he wasn't doing well. Yeah. Uh, the, do me, the Do You Miss Me Award should probably be named for either Frank Solich or Bo Pelini, who won 75% and 71% of their games, respectively. Although I have complained, I still appreciate all you guys do to create an, inter, an entertaining and informative podcast. Not so grumpy, but old. Still, I'm still, I'm sorry. Not so grumpy, but still old, Michael. All right. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael. All right. This is from Zach. Hey, Ryan and Dave, what a weekend. Let's play true or false. I love true or false. Let's do it. David Shaw has regressed as a coach. The late game play, late game play calling made me think ha- uh, he had ASU and the money line. Mm, let's see. I don't know if he's regressed. I think that's just I'll who say he false. is. Yeah, I'll say yeah, false. I think, I think that's who just, he is. He's who he is. I think he probably needs to figure out a different solution at offensive coordinator, and I don't think their offensive line is as good as they were counting on, but I'd say false. Yeah. Uh, JT Daniels is the most overhyped quarterback prospect in a decade. I can't believe the P was complaining that he wasn't ranked higher than Lawrence or Fields. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, he's he was ridiculously good in high school. He's uh, not doing that well now, but I think you could put a lot of that on the coaches and stuff. I don't think he's... I don't think he, he's a terrible quarterback. I think, you know, you watch him in high school, he was ridiculously good. Yeah, he, I wouldn't say most overhyped. I think there have been some others who definitely fit that bill. I, I can think of at least one other USC quarterback who was probably more overhyped So, uh, in the last decade. So, yeah, yeah I don't I don't see that. Um, so I'll say false. Uh, both L.A. schools played two quarterbacks this weekend. JT Daniels was the worst of all of them. Yeah, I mean, in terms of performance, 100%. Yeah, he was 6 of 16. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the current state of the P is the message board equivalent of Somalia, which would make Ryan a warlord that gets rich while his people kill each other, kidding, sort of. That would be awesome. I'd love to be a warlord. Wouldn't that be cool, Dave? How is the state of the P? Is it bad? Is it good? Is it, is it a, no, is it I a mean, war zone? It's, it's, the, it's worse. And, you know, it's like it's when it's when there's, like, fighting, when there's, there's two sides to the story. There's no two but sides. But there's no two sides. No. Yeah, exactly. Everyone feels he should be fired. It's really just more about people are bumping old posts where former sunshine pumpers were like, you got to give Clay Hilton the chance. And now they're bumping him saying, you were an idiot back then. So that's that's like the only contention going on right now. It's it's more of, you know, who should be the next head coach and things like that. But most everyone's on the same page as far as like, yeah, they're, they're bad. When you start achieving message board consensus, uh, the coach is done. Just yeah. done. Um, cause it's never consensus that they're good, by the way. No, no message board has ever had consensus that a coach is good, but when it's consensus that they're bad, which is when the consensus always is, if it ever achieves consensus, they're done. Yeah. Uh, Clay Houghton just needs time to get his guys in the program, like another four years. True. I agree with this. <laughs> I think Clay Houghton 
needs four to 10 more years. And I think he'll really get this thing rolling. Right. So if you're a USC person, you would say false. Anyone else would say true. Yes. Uh, the entire TV production of the UCLA Arizona game from the analyst to the shaky camera that cut in halfway through a play 20% of the time made the Rod Gilmore days look like Sunday night football. <laughs> True. This was bad. And I don't mean to say anything bad about a former Bruin, but Tom Ramsey, not great on the color commentary. Uh, uh, just not a whole lot of value added there. And the camera work was like, uh, I don't know, bring your kids to, to work day. And the kids <laughs> were operating the camera, but it was... This is rough. This is rough. And I was also, it was like two in the morning and I'm watching the end of this game and I was just, uh, I did not want any more of it. No more of that game. Nice. Uh, and then the best takes on USC right now belong to one man and his name is Scott Wolf. Bring Wolf to the POC. This needs to happen. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. We'll leave it at that. Bet the odds. Go Cougs. Uh, this is from Ben. What are the odds you'd bet Washington State goes to the Rose Bowl as the first one-loss power conference champion to miss the playoffs? Option play. Odds the playoff expand by 2022. Mm. I don't think there's great odds. It's going to be tough for Washington State to win out. Um, They're currently 8% chance to finish with 11 wins. Yeah, so I, I would say this is not a... Uh, you got to give me... You got to lay me like... And even if they finish with 11 wins, then you got to be, well, then they don't make it too. So uh, you're talking like a 20 to one shot or something. Yeah, probably. Um, um, expand yeah. by 2022. Uh, yes. You think so? Yeah. Because there's got to be some wonky year. It could be this year where it's like two SEC teams, uh, Notre Dame, and then like Clemson. And then the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 get out, get left out. And it's one thing for the Pac-12 to get left out or even the Big 12 to get left out. If the Big Ten gets left out, they're going to cry so hard. That's fair. Um, I think and Notre if all Dame, three get left out, I think that's bad. So Notre Dame, if you want this chaos, do you want Notre Dame to win out and get a spot? Because then... Oh, yeah. At if you're rooting two. for the 18 playoff, I think you, you have to sacrifice a little bit if you're a Big 12, Big Ten, or Pac-12 fan. Yeah. You want you want two or three conferences to miss the playoff, and then it, it's like yeah. this ain't gonna work. Exactly. All right. Uh, this is from Jonathan Bryce Love. Hi guys, it's Jonathan in Lafayette, California. Your, your loyal Stanford fan listener. You should have so a club if, a, there, if there was more. This of is you. a real. This is a real honor. We got the <laughs> one Stanford fan emailing into the show. That's impressive. Uh, yes, oh, bearded one, we do exist. And he uses the royal we, too. That's cool. He should have uh, said me exist. We Well, th yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it turns out we Stanford fans have our own secret society. To get in, you need to be Jonathan. Uh, you need to distinguish a Vonier, I think, from a Sauvignon Blanc. I, I don't know. I didn't pronounce the first one right, but I'm not going to try again. Then learn the advanced stats on the O-line. Spoiler alert, they suck. Then promise never to make noise in the library. Oh, wait, I mean the stadium. My question, did we break Bryce Love last year? I'm asking seriously. You guys must have seen a lot of injuries. Is it possible that he just ran too much on the injury last year? Something went wrong permanently and he'll never be the same? Related, if so, was it a mistake to stay in school or could this have been prevented or could this have prevented Love being drafted at all? Thanks for another year of awesome podcasting. We love you guys. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, yeah, we, I mean, like that's a thing. We say he should have left, but if there was this injury that was nagging, then he wouldn't pass a physical or something. Then, it, then you probably got to stay. 
but I don't think you're helping yourself a lot um, this year. And it, it was weird the way they kind of used him, and you know they don't really announce things like one day he would show up and not play and all that stuff. And you just never really know with Stanford uh, uh, what they're going to do. He played a little bit in this last game, but not a ton. I don't know, Dave. What do you think? Is there some? Did they just break him last year? Yeah, I mean, he's not the same player. That's for sure. Um, I don't know if they broke him. I don't know if he's just got a lingering ankle injury because I know those things can last forever. Um, but, I mean, look at what he did last year. I mean, he was averaging like, what did he finish? He averaged eight yards a carry last year, and he's averaging four this year. And I don't think the offensive line is that much worse. I mean, it's worse, but it's not that much worse. Um, and he's a completely different player because look at 2015, it's 7.8 yards per carry. 2016, seven yards per carry. Yeah. 2017, 8.1 yards per carry. And then this year, four. It's just, that's 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 not the same player. So, um, he was I don't also know better at the beginning of the season, too, because that, like, with, with the uh, stat that we had where it was like the first 87 carries, he was averaging like almost 10 yards a carry. And then, you know, it's, it's almost seven yards a carry different. So it kind of evened out, I guess, towards the end of the season when the injury stuff was going on. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, he's definitely not the same guy. I don't know if it's completely injury related, but I think it has to be at least in part. Yeah. We're not going to, we'll probably not know until he goes to the combine and all that stuff and, and gets a, gets an evaluation. This is from Joshua uh, on Wazoo. Hey, Ryan and Dave, this is your loyal listener from Arkansas, Joshua. Now that Washington Wazoo is uh, six and one and has a clear path to the playoff. What? Uh, I don't know about that. Well, people quit saying, uh, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there, Joshua. Well, people quit saying the Pac-12 is going to miss the playoff again. No, we've been saying all over. Uh, all they have to do is, uh, all they have to do is beat down Stanford and Washington and handle business against Cal, Colorado, and Arizona. But seriously, wouldn't it be cool if Wazoo can pull this off? Think of all the Mike Leach interviews. I must stash you a question. Nice. Uh, what do you guys think would need to happen to get them in? Went out and hope USC makes the title game so they can avenge their one loss. Uh, I, that's Joshua. I, I, it, I think it's fully dependent on what other teams do. I think if Wazoo wins out, they've done enough. I don't think it really matters if they play USC or whoever it is in the title game. Yeah. As long as it's not like UCLA, I think that would be bad. And UCLA does still have a mathematical chance of making the title game. But if it's a rematch with Utah, I think that's probably the best case scenario at this point because Utah... I think is going to be legitimately really good um, and will get them a lot of that. You know, the, the committee now looks at advanced stats and Utah is looking like the best team in, or the best team after Washington in the Pac-12. So if Wazoo finishes the year beating Washington and then beating Utah, I think that's a pretty resounding finish. But whatever they do, as long as they finish 12 and one through the Pac-12 title game, they've done what they need to do. But it's still going to depend on what other leagues do. That's what the point is at this point. You just, you, I, I don't think the Pac-12 team controls its own destiny at this point. They need, um, so you've got to figure Clemson is in because there's nobody else left for them to lose to. Alabama is almost certainly in. Um, they'd have to lose twice, I think, to be out. Um, so you, you say those two teams are locks. Maybe they're not going to try to do another SEC team this year, but that's still two locks. Notre Dame doesn't have many losing opportunities left. They could lose to USC in theory. They could lose to Syracuse, maybe, um, but it's not a whole lot left. But you need Notre Dame to lose a couple. You need the Big Ten winner to come out of there with a couple of losses, or you need the Big 12 winner to come out of there with a couple of losses. You need two of those three things to happen. If it does, then one loss Wazoo is in. Um, yeah. But you need, I think, two of those. 
just because strength of schedule is not going to favor Wazoo. Um, they didn't play a tough non-conference schedule. And the Pac-12 has a lot of pretty good-ish teams, but it doesn't have any elite teams for them to knock off. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. Um, it's not, there's not a path, there's a path to get there, but it's not, it's not completely under Washington state's control. They got to do yep. what they got to do, which is not going to be easy. And then they got to hope for some help. All right. This is from Hifiday. You ready? Yes. A Matt. martyr to loyalties. It's always got such dramatic titles. Thank you for the kind words last week about my film study articles at Addicted to Quack. In response to Hector's claim, I do receive a small stipend for writing them, but it barely covers the extra liquor I had to buy in order to cope with breaking down five games worth of Captain Noodle Arm firing balls into the dirt. <laughs> mm. Love that. Ouch. Love that shade. Uh, back in May, I asked you, guys, you boys what you thought about Noel Mazzoni as a play caller. In addition to prompting a discussion of the biblical and for some reason grammatical implications of the word onanism – your response was that, one, it's a plug-and-play offense that even high school teams can buy and should hit the ground running with a mobile quarterback. Two, eventually defenses adjust and it becomes ineffective, especially against athletic defenses. And three, he's pretty stubborn with constant swing passes, fake zone reads, and useless runs up the middle. Has Mazzoni's first season at Arizona so far caused you to revise your theory of him at all? What, change, what changes, if any, should fans expect to see down the stretch? Uh, first of all, props to Hitler Day for like saying you said something and then repeating what we said. So yeah, I know this is this is exactly what we've been asking. That's for all Hitler I'm asking Day. for Hitler Day. You get the props from me. See, we we compliment him one week and then he does what we ask the next week. Yeah. It's great. And those all those things, I sound like they were said by David because I don't think I said those. But so we'll probably have to get your thoughts on this, David. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Khalil Tate did not hit the ground running in this offense, um, but I I think part of that was Tate. Uh, bucking up against the limitations of the offense and trying to, I don't know, get downfield more with the throwing game, not do as much in the running game or the short passing game. I don't think he's a great, he's, I don't think he's great at throwing those little short swing passes and that sort of stuff. That's not his bread and butter. Um, so I think it was maybe a worse fit than I was expecting. Um, but I think you saw it last week against UCLA, Rhett Rodriguez, who's a very under talented quarterback ran it. Okay. Um, you know, through those swing passes, um, you know, I think Mazzoni worked in a little bit more of those kind of back shouldery type throws down the sideline with Rodriguez, who who's accurate enough and he throws kind of a jump ball style. Um, so to Sean Poindexter, who's six five, I think it was, you know, kind of like, a, you know, uh, you know, just kind of what you have to do against uh, a team that's going to man up on your receiver like that. So. Uh, I think they worked in that wrinkle, but I don't expect too much different. I think Mazzoni, he's not super flexible. He'll work in a wrinkle or two. He'll do a couple of weird things, but they're more in like package-based systems. Like it's not his general scheme is his general scheme, and what he calls from game to game is more or less the same regardless of what the defense is showing. Um, but he'll occasionally do odd things. Like when he was at UCLA, he did that weird package with Miles Jacket running back for a while. And he just got it in his head that he wanted to do that. Like that was something fun he wanted to do where he would run out of a diamond formation with Miles Jack. And that's just something he did for a while. But it was just willy nilly. It wasn't like they saw something in a defense to do that. Um, and I think as you know, I think the I, I, I think it's more or less the same offense, you know, watching it um, against UCLA. It looked like a lot of what they ran at UCLA when he was there. So I wouldn't expect many great changes. I think Rhett Rodriguez might run it a little bit more the way it's supposed to be run than Cleo Tate did. Um, and we'll see how long Tate's out, but um, I think you can see more of a pure version of the Mazzoni offense now. 
Yeah. No. Um, I it, just the way it all happened seemed kind of weird with they just didn't get off on the right foot with Khalil Tate. And then once they kind of wanted to fix the problem, he ends up getting injured. It just didn't. It's, it's just kind of a mess from the beginning. So I don't know. I don't know. Hit the day. It's not. Uh, this is this is not going to be Arizona's year. No, I think. Um, but good way to recap what we said. I like that. That was very nice. Of you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, Scott in Washington has questions. He said, hey, Ryan slash Dave. Oregon ran into the same thing Washington did this week. And that was a sky-high team coming off a bye, playing at home. So once again, the Pac-12 scheduling geniuses do no favors for one of their uh, their have teams. Could you ever see the Pac-12 making a rule that during conference play, if you're coming off a bye week, your next game will be on the road? Um, I don't think you need that. I just think what we said earlier is you need to bring the scheduling in-house. So you can take a look at it. I think it's more of a human thing than a rule thing where you're just like, oh, these are two Pac-12 powers. They're rivals. Uh, let's not put one of them in a horrible. Uh, di- not. I mean, let's not put one of them at a disadvantage. It's not the 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 reason that Washington lost or Oregon lost, but it's a reason that they lost. And I think you want to put them in a, as much of an even playing field as possible. Yeah, I agree. agree. Yeah. Second, Mike Leach was on his way to Tennessee last year before the power brokers and president at Tennessee fired the AD who hired him and killed the deal. With what he has done so far this year in Pullman, is there any way he is back at Washington State next year or does someone come and poach him? Uh, I mean, I think someone could, but we like we talked about, it, it's, it has to be the right fit. Mike Leach is not a right fit everywhere. So just because you have a powerful top five, 25 program and you need a good head coach and Mike Leach is a good head coach, it doesn't mean it would work there. So it'd have to be a, a really good fit. And I'm not sure there's a bunch of those out there. Yeah, I, I'm having tr- trouble thinking of an obvious one. He wouldn't go anywhere else in the Pac-12. I don't think he'd be a fit anywhere else in the Pac-12 besides maybe, I don't know, Corvallis, I guess. Maybe one of the Arizona schools, uh, but none of those are going to be open. Um, Big 12, but I don't know if he left a stink bomb in the entire league or just at Texas Tech, but I don't see an obvious job opening there either. Um, Big 10 doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me at any of those jobs. And then the SEC... I could see him doing like Purdue or something, maybe. Like, could you see that? Or? If if that one opens, but is that really even a step? Tennessee's a step up from Washington State, You're from right. like a resources standpoint, and from a location standpoint, from probably the the quality of athlete you can get there is probably a little bit better. Um, but Purdue's not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know that there's going to be an obvious opening next year. Yeah, I I kind of think he's sticking around, but. I think he is. Yeah. Um, all right, Anthony. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Which coach would you rather have at UCLA and USC, Mike McIntyre or Mike Leach? Huh. Well, we talk about the fit. Um, I think McIntyre would probably be a better fit. Better fit at both. Yeah. Mike Leach, I think we'd both prefer. Yeah. I mean, it would be awesome to cover him. But I just, I mean, when, when you're asking him to go do, like, these alumni things and stuff. Now, Chip Kelly, to be, I mean, he's not really doing a lot of that stuff either, right? Well, I guess we'll see how that works out, but. Um, I don't know. Leach would say a lot of stuff. Yeah. That might not go well. All right. Well, I think there's our last one. I'm it's, supposed to read this one. Oh, okay. Go ahead. It's oh, sorry. Dave. Okay. Uh, this is Pac-Man. Uh, please have Dave read this with his normal sarcastic voice. So just my normal voice then. <laughs> it was fun to watch Utah beat down USC. I think it's U dollar sign S 
uh, whatever, USC, even though they have the advantage in every way. USC has a huge recruiting advantage enhanced by location, tradition, and USC, or at least third parties, cheat. Ryan, please tell me what is going on here. I pulled this from Twitter. Uh, this is the Chris oh, we are, Yeah, we're already talking yeah, about we already that. Yeah. that. All right. Um, and he says, I've listened to you guys long enough to know the response. One, everyone cheats. Hey, two, hey, they turned them in right. What's the big deal? Three, players should get paid. Fact is, USC has cheated many times and will continue to do so and not get caught most of the time. There needs to be some kind of escalating repercussions for doing so. I love the podcast. You guys are great. Thanks, Pac-Man. No, there's, yeah. This, yeah. this wasn't, so, look, you can, I, I'm a big fan. If you want to talk about how USC cheats all the time, that's great. That's great. That's great fodder for a podcast. I love it. This isn't that situation, though. This is, <laughs> this is. Uh, if you knew the party involved who's making this odd accusation, you, you, uh, this shouldn't be a, this should not be a public thing. It should just be some kind of weird guy just doing his weird thing, which so, will probably be the case sooner than later. Yeah, it's uh, this is this is probably going to turn out to be a, a really unfortunate situation. So for not not a school or a prospect or no, just for uh, a, a person, a person. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, let's let's not make more of it than it is. Um, but yeah, but yeah, please throw us your actual accusations of USC cheating. <laughs> Give us all of those in the podcast. I'd love to read them in whatever tone of voice you would like. Your sarcastic fun one for is what, it, which is just your you. Like that's just yeah, your voice. That's just my voice. That's nice. just how it works. Uh, well, pretty good stuff, Dave. And we got in under two hours. We did. Woo! Nice. Okay, so let's hope week nine looks. It's like a better product for your eyes to watch than week eight. Um, besides, obviously, the the amazing uh, game day experience up in Pullman. So, again, props to, uh, you know, big props to everybody in Pullman. There were more people at game day than live in that town. So, it was uh, people flying from all over the place. More old crimson flags than you could shake a stick at. It was pretty awesome. Yep. Go Cougs. All right. That's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of champions. And we will talk to you next time.